the Lord called me to the ministry, uh, I was seven years old. I was born in South Africa. Um, I don't really sound like it now. Maybe every once in a while you'll hear a word that it doesn't sound very American, but I've been, the accent's been washed over. And, uh, but I was seven years old. It was five days um, before my eighth birthday, July 24th, 1994. And I was at my church in South Africa, and my family, uh, my mom, my brother and I were, uh, really my mom, was praying about bringing us to America. We had moved here uh, when I was six months old with my dad. Uh, my brother was three and I was six months old, or my brother was coming up on three. And then my dad had what, the, you know, what they, they call a nervous breakdown, which was demonic. We moved back. And then when I was three, my dad took his own life. And so all the while, we felt to come uh, and come to America. That's what we had in our heart. The Lord put that in our heart. And then we were praying about coming, really with no possibility of coming, no way to come. But, but we knew the Lord wanted us in America. And we were praying, and my, my mom was. I, I wasn't. I was mostly just playing with G.I. Joes and, you know, doing what normal seven-year-olds do. Wasn't spending too many days fasting and prayer about coming to America. But my mom, my mom was praying. And then we were in a church, the church I went to called Durban Christian Center, and, um, and there was a, a prophet who came. And some of you may know the name, but his name is Kim Clement. And he came and visited the church. And Kim Clement, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he, he, he's a pretty, you can, there's still videos you can see. But uh, the way he ministered was pretty amazing. He would call people out. And then as a word of knowledge, you know, the Bible talks about a word of knowledge where God, God knows everything about you. God, God knows what you ate for breakfast God knows where the milk is in your fridge. You know, God knows your driver's, God knows your driver's license number. And so by a word of knowledge, he would call, call people out and he would t tell them something about themselves. He would say, uh, your driver's license number is J230 and just read off something that there's no way he could know. And then when he had their attention, because there was no way he could know, he would have a word from the Lord. Uh, uh, and, uh, and that's how he ministered. And so people would say, you know, I know this is a man of God because there's no way you could know. He's a real prophet. And um, he called me out and he said, I saw you while I was praying and the spirit of the Lord's upon you to take a flame to the nations. He said, I'm taking everything that I've presented to your family and I'm giving you a double portion of the spirit and you'll do it. And he said, and you'll become a household name because of the anointing that rests upon your life. I've anointed your voice. I've anointed your genealogy. I've anointed your makeup. I've anointed every part of you. And from this day forward, everything I presented to your family, I'm taking, I'm giving it to you, and you will do it. And he said, and you'll go to the nations of the world, and you'll even go to the United States of America. And that was the prophecy I received five days before my eighth birthday. That was confirmation to us that we needed to come. So when I was eight, you know, within the next year, we packed up and moved and brought our stuff here. But when I get an opportunity to minister, I'm standing in that prophecy. So for me, this isn't a job. This isn't, you know, I was, I was talking to my wife on the way here, and she said, you know, if, if someone offered us a 10-day vacation in Hawaii, I'd rather be here in Dickinson preaching at the River Church Dickinson. Hawaii is great. We like Hawaii. The vacationing there is great. But there's something about being in the call of God that nothing can replace. Amen. And so I want to say thank you to your pastors for inviting us and having us back to come. You know, it was the first time we came, Pastor Rodney sent us, so to know that they actually liked us is good. That's encouraging <laughs> to, to my, my, uh, my ministry. 
That's encouraging. You can get invited, but if you never get invited back, you start to wonder. <laughs> but I tell that, you know, I tell that not ever to brag. Um, you know, I understand that when, the, when it says you'll become a household name, I know that's not a small, small gift or small calling. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to embarrass the devil. Because first of all, the devil's a loser. And I didn't understand everything that that prophecy said at the time. One of the, the things that that prophecy said was, uh, you'll defeat the spirit that's trying to torment your family. As a seven-year-old, I didn't know what that meant. As a 15-year-old, when, when I opened the door through sin and uh, I took my dad out, it was suicide, then I realized this is that. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, the Lord set me free. And that stupid demon of depression, you know, you know I want to say this, you know no one's actually depressed for it, they've got medicine for it, there's no such thing as bipolar. There's, there's demon. There's no such thing as schizophrenic. There's demon. And so pe people get into situations and then they go look to doctors. And I'm not taking away from doctors do, but you can't solve a spiritual problem with a pill. And so by looking at me, I'm not depressed. I was dealing as a teenager with a spirit of depression, which is what we're talking about, demons of depression. But the, the, you can tell it's a demon because it goes from zero to 60 like that. It's the same with the spirit of fear. You'll be fine. Everything's going normal. And then it grips you and it's, you feel like you're like, you can't breathe. It goes from zero to 60 like that. That's how you know it's a demon. And that thing came around and tried to choke the life out of me like it did to my dad. And, and the power of God set me free. And not only set me free from depression, but now the Lord's put an anointing on me to see others set free from depression and suicide. And cast that demon out. And in healing school, I would say every, you know, our average healing school is about 100 people. This last one we had about 120. I would say we do a call for this every session. And I would say it's usually been between 40 and 60 people that come up who are dealing with. And I, I'm not, I don't make a call, hey, if you've been sad in the last 30 days, you should come forward. It's a demon of depression and with thoughts of suicide. And it's strong. Not like six months ago I had a day where I was a little bit down. Like, it's strong. And the Lord brings people for that purpose. But so for me, this is, this, for us, this is a privilege because to get to stand here and, then, and see the fulfillment of that prophecy. And the Lord knew that when we go to the United States, that North Dakota, that Dickinson will be part of it. And I believe the Lord has something very special for this area. I believe, I'll say that again. I believe the Lord has something very special for this area. I, I believe that the River Church at Dickinson is God's gift to, to North Dakota. And I'm not saying this is the only church in, in North Dakota, but I'm saying that God's marked this place for explosive growth. You can't see yourself as a small church that's, you know, we're the weird people. No one other, none of the other churches pray in the tongues. We're the ones who pray in tongues. And like, we're those extreme. Listen, this is a Bible church. I, the Bible is extreme. The Bible's extreme. You know, if you believe in the virgin birth, you're extreme. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you're extreme. And you have to believe in both to even be a Christian. If you believe in the rapture of the church, you're actually insane. I'm, I'm not talking about from a Bible perspective. I'm talking about from a world perspective. You sit down with an unsaved person and say there's coming a day where, where there's going to be an angel who comes out of heaven with a trumpet. and He's going to blow the trumpet. There'll be a shout. And then everyone who's a believer who loves the Lord is going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the cloud. Everyone all over the earth. I don't know how many there are. I mean, maybe there's a billion out of 7.8 billion. All at once are going to disappear off the earth and be where Jesus is in the cloud. 
There'll be, and that's why the Bible says there'll be some, and it's going to be a worldwide event. So at some part of the world, everyone will be asleep. Some part of the world, people will be, at people, that's why the Bible says there'll be two in bed. One will be left, one will be taken. There'll be two at the grindstone. One will be left, one will be taken. There'll be two in the field, one will be left. You go out in the field in the early part of the workday. You go to the grindstone at the end of the workday to, 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 to grind what you've taken in. And then there's sleeping. So here you have, you tell someone that it, at, at some point in the near future, there's going to come an, a worldwide event where, the, where we're going to be caught up. Every believer is going to be caught up to meet him in the air, and we're going to disappear. There's going to be people. Have you thought about the fact that there's going to be Christians who love the Lord blasting their, their Christian music driving down the street that are going to disappear out of the driver's seat of their car going 75 miles an hour? There's going to be pilots, pilot, co-pilot, flying their aircraft, and they're going to disappear. I mean, they'll get, they'll get there a little quicker than we will. But, but, but you, t- you tell someone that and you're crazy already. You're insane already. So to then stand back and say, yeah, I believe in that. But then, you know, this whole thing where, which happened on the day of Pentecost, we're, we're, you know, we're this river church and we pray in tongues and we tell people we're kind of the extreme. But being a, believing the Bible is extreme. And the sooner you get okay that this is normal, this, this may be extreme for, for, for radical people people who oppose. You know, I read something the other day. I, I, on Instagram, I follow Fox News, which is out of Fox 13 News, which is, uh, the, the, the Tampa version of Fox News. And there was a teacher at one of the local high schools who posted, she had her parking spot, and she had spray-painted, I can do all things through Christ, Philippians 4.13, in her parking spot. And there were people who were like really upset. And this person commented and said, I saw it said Christ, and that really upset me. <laughs> and I commented and said, if, you, if the name of Jesus Christ really upsets you, you probably have a demon living on the inside of you. This is a heads up. Just a heads up to you. If the name of Jesus Christ, baby Jesus in a manger, really upsets you, that's probably a demon living inside of you. You should get rid of that. <laughs> but it, the sooner you get, you get okay with that living the Christian life is extreme from the world's view, Jesus said, you're going to be hated by all for my sake. And I'm telling you, there's, this, there's, there's something happening right now in the United States of America where the line's being drawn, where you have to make up your mind. I'm either all the way in or I'm, or I'm out because the, the mediocre church is getting squeezed out. And we're not here to say we want churches to shut down. I, I hope every church in Dickinson, you know, there's enough people in Dickinson for every church to be running a thousand people on Sunday. There's enough. And I hope they do. I hope they're all w- winning souls. I hope they're all casting out devils. You want everyone to be blessed. If we could win all of Dickinson, I think it's 90,000 people. I don't know. Something like that. Some, I don't know. 25,000. I mean, I don't know where I got that number from. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 25,000 people. I, you know, you, I, want, I want all of Dickinson to be one to Jesus. But there's something happening right now in the body of Christ where the lines are being drawn, where you have to make up your mind. I'm in, and I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done as me. I'm not ashamed that I'm radical and I pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed that I fast and I pray. I'm not ashamed that I go to revival meetings, even though people are going to sleep at 7 p.m. I'm out praising the Lord, speaking in tongues, receiving from the power of the Holy Ghost. This is who I am, and I've decided this is who I am. If you're going to write anything on my tombstone if I go home to be with the Lord before he comes back write down he was radical and he didn't care tongue talking I'm 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 the Christian your parents warned you about I'm the I'm the type they talk about on the view I don't care 
I believe in all of it. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe in healing. I believe in prosperity. Oh, you're like Joel Osteen. I'm way worse than Joel Osteen with prosperity. Way worse. I believe in miracles. I believe in signs and wonders. I believe in taking cloths and putting it against your body and sending it away and people getting healed. I'm that type of believer and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation. The sooner you settle in your heart that the extreme Christian life, that's normal, then the sooner this becomes, hey, this is just who I am. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm going to tell everybody. Someone's going to ask me about it. What church you go to? I go to the river church. They think we're the crazy church, but we're the, we're the Bible church. Come on down. Why don't you join us? We're having a revival all week this week. Hey, hallelujah. You, the, there comes a point, the sooner you get okay with just being that type of Christian, the sooner you get relaxed. And I, I, I'm not trying to hide anything. You know, that's kind of the one thing about being a believer that Jesus, one of the things that Jesus requires as a believer. If, if you're going to do it, do it with everything and don't be ashamed. If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. The sooner you settle into this, this revival, soul winning, casting out devils, this is the normal Christian life. This is normal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I believe the Lord's raising up a church here in Dickinson. That'll be a lighthouse to this region. That's going to grow exponentially. And you'll see that as you push forward in the area of faith and as you push forward in the area of souls, and I believe coming out of this week that people's, people's love to see the lost one will be reignited and people's fire for the word of God, fire for the things of God will be reignited. That you're going to see this place grow and, and, and you're going to see people, because people are desperate. People are desperate now. You know, 2019 when we came, people, are, I believe in that you have good people. If I were to say anything about North Dakota, I would say you have, you have good, generally good people. You know, it's like you, you, we're in Tampa. Tampa, you get a mixture. You get people who are not from Florida. You, you go a little bit east into Plant City, Polk County area, and you get people that you meet people who are like just down-to-earth country people that you feel like you could walk in and say to their store and say, sir, I'm going to leave this with you. I'm gonna, I'll be back tomorrow. And you'll come back and the card wouldn't, the tilted card wouldn't have even shifted a little bit. It'll just be there because they're just like, good. You just trust them with your life. Hey, this is my six-month-old. Please hold him. I'll be back tomorrow. And you'll be like, okay, does he take formula or do I need to get my wife to breastfeed? How does this work? <laughs> you know, just, just good people. That's what, that would be my observation about, about, about North Dakota, about people who are hardworking, who love their families, and then, and then what the devil's trying to do is infiltrate with, with alcohol addiction and some of that, you know, the weather this time of year. You see it where, where it gets dark early. And so I, but I believe what's happening in North Dakota is that God's lighting people because there's something on the inside of people that needs the gospel. There's, God created man that way. And people are getting desperate because of what's happening in this nation. Prices of gas going up. Middle classes being squeezed out. People are, are to the point where they're getting desperate. And, and when people get desperate, when there's a lighthouse that's full of the power of God and can demonstrate the power of God, that draws people in. And I want to tell you, you're the lighthouse. You have to see that you are the light for Dickinson. I'm not saying you're the only church, but you're a church that has stood for the power of God. You're a church that has stood for the full counsel of the word of God. You're a church that I would say is like Paul in, in Acts 20, like I shared this morning, that's ha where he said, I'm free from the blood of all men because I haven't, I haven't withheld anything that would have been for your benefit. And when you do that, the Lord recognizes that. And so when the growth comes, I believe that this church is positioned to see it. And as the people of this church get a renewed love for the lost, as the people of this church get a renewed love to see, see the city, really what has to happen 
is there has to come a responsibility on the inside of you where you see, I, I'm on this earth to build the kingdom of God. And, and I'm going to do that with my funds and I'm going to do that with my mouth. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take responsibility for Dickinson personally. It's not just these guys. These guys are the shepherds, but you're the sheep. And it's, it's your choice. It's your decision to say, I'm taking responsibility for my city. If I don't win Dickinson, who will? That's the mindset that you have to take. If I, if I don't win Dickinson, who will? Because God sent them here as a blessing and as a gift to this city and has brought you and joined you to them. And I believe there's many more out there who don't know what they need, don't know what they're missing, and this is what they're missing, is a place where people can come and be touched by the power of God. Like many of you could get up here and say, hey, when I came here, I was depressed, and the Lord lifted this off me. How many would say, well, lifted, lifted hands, that since you've been at this church, the Lord has blessed you. Your things have turned around for the better. How many would say, let me ask this a simple way, your life is better since you started coming to this church? And I know some of you, this is your first day. So just give it another week or so. And, and by the end of the week, you'll say, my life is a lot better since I first came. I believe in rapid acceleration. Amen. Amen. But I believe the Lord is raising this place up as a lighthouse to Dickinson. And that Dickinson will be shaken by the power of God. You know, that's what I believe the Lord's doing right now. Because he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe in this time, the Lord is positioning strong churches That'll be able to be, a, be, be, be really, you know, we use the word stronghold negatively, like casting down imaginations and strongholds. You use that, but there can be a good stronghold. <laughs> there can be a good stronghold where the devil doesn't, I, man, I thought I had a grip on that region. I had, I had drug, drug abuse going up. I had, I had sp spousal abuse going up. I had alcohol abuse going up. And then this church moved in. And they started winning souls. And they started bringing the gospel to the people. And that church started to grow. And now I'm losing a grip. I'm telling you, one church, I wish there was more, but we'll start with one. One church can change a whole city around. Where people say, man, there's people going down to that church. Alcoholics are getting set free. People have been trying to get away from depression. You know, we, we, at healing school, we see it. We had a lady come. And she was a, she was, her, her daughter became a pastor. Came to Bible school and became a got married, went off from the ministry and started a church in California. And the mom came and she had been suffering from depression. And she had been suffering from depression. She was in her 50s. She had been suffering from depression by the, from, since she was 10. And it was clinical depression. So she said the last trip to the doctor, she went to the doctor and the, and the doctor said, she said, this new, this new stuff that you've given me, it's, I, I need something stronger. And the doctor said, that is the strongest stuff on the market. I have nothing else to give you. And so that, then she came to healing school. And, and in healing school, <laughs> hallelujah, I love the word of God. Sitting under the word of God. You know what the devil tries to stop? He tries to stop the word of God. He tries to get people to back off because it's uncomfortable. He tries, oh, we're not going to pray, pray for the sick. You know, I, this is how pastors think. What if I pray for the sick and the person doesn't get healed? Well, I'm just not going to do it. That's what pastors, I'd rather, I'd rather not seem like I tried it and it didn't work. For me, if I pray for the sick and they don't get healed, Lord, I thank you that the next time I pray for the sick, they're going to get healed. Lord, do something in me. There's, there's, there comes a responsibility. But she came sitting under the word. And I don't even remember if I prayed for her or just sitting under the word. But she said, she went at, I think I prayed for her. She said she felt something leave out the back of her. And she said since then, that she said it's like, it broke off in an instant and went from depressed to not depressed, got joy for the first time. She said that she used to love 
to sleep. She, she didn't like being awake. She wanted to sleep all the time. The depression was so bad. And then when I talked to her a year later, she said, you know, the problem I have now is I have problems sleeping. I myself to go to bed being like being up now. You know, you know that's a turnaround when you go from I don't like ever being awake to I, I, I have to force myself to go to sleep. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you this week that you've taken to set time aside. And, and this word is going to come alive on the inside of you. I know many of you might be sitting here saying, there's so many things messed up in my life. There's things messed up in my body. But I'm believing that the word of God, as you saturate in the word of God this week, that this word's going to come so alive on the inside of you that it's going to destroy any work of the devil. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, 29, it says, is not my word like as a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? You know, the word of God carries the power of the Holy Ghost. That as you get saturated in the word of God this week, there's things in your body that are going to be broken off. Things in your emotions are going to be broken off. Things that you've just said, this is just who I am. But I want to tell you if it's negative, it didn't come from God. God didn't create anyone depressed. God didn't give anyone a, a depressive personality. Yeah, pe people take those personality tests. You know, I'm a melancholic, such and such. Jesus didn't create. God didn't create anyone melancholic. Amen. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's the devil's work to depress people. It's God's work to liberate people. Amen? Amen. And so I believe that by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the word of God, that as, as you come this week, and as you let the word, you open your heart to the word, you're going to see the word break things off of you that you didn't even know were possible. Maybe even things that you gave up on. Things that, things that you said, man, I, I've just kind of settled down with this. I want to play a testimony for you. Do we have that available? There's, there's a video. This is from this Sunday morning service at the river, this morning service. And it's two testimonies back to back, um, healing testimonies. One was, uh, if we can get it to work, it, one was a student, a young lady who's in Bible school. And I'm teaching this semester on Christ the healer in, in, at River University. And I, and I started um, flowing with the anointing. And uh, she'll tell the testimony. And then the next one was this other lady. I kind of hinted at it today. Um, can we fast forward? Is she, is she right after this? Okay, let's go ahead and play this. This is a few minutes. And uh, there she is. Great. Let's go ahead. Well, this guy's going. We'll see if we can get some audio to work here. No audio. To the poor. He has one. sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. Now, when I spoke those words, faith dropped in my spirit, and I knew that thing had to go even before we prayed. Like, it was not staying. And so the restrained herself from screaming out in joy in the middle of a hotel room. She was instantly healed. So I want to encourage you guys today, put a demand on the word of God. Receive your healing. It doesn't matter where you are in the realm of the spirit. You don't necessarily have to have hands laid on you. Call the it's call not, center. I mean, it's fine. We'll and watch if God can bring me here and make me into a soul winner, he'll do the, the same thing for you. If God has called you, you to River University, right come now. and watch as he takes you from glory to glory and as he trains you up for the calling of God on your life. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's the call center. That's stage four cancer. Legally blind, being healed, people calling in, being healed as people are praying over the call center. So make that call now. If you have need healing in your body, call.
call us. We have people ready to pray with you. Carice, I need you to tell the people what the Lord did for you right in Bible school as you were sitting in class, as you were believing the Lord for this miracle to take place for several years already. All right. Um, good morning, everyone. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Rodney and Adonica for starting the Bible school and giving me the scholarship to come here because without that, I wouldn't be here telling you this story. So for a little bit of background, um, I was a gymnast. I had three ACL tears and nine knee surgeries from the age of 13 to 17. And, um, nine knee surgeries. Yes, nine. And um, that left me, like my ACLs in one piece, but it left me with like arthritis and a lot of knee pain and just... Well, hallelujah. <laughs> Can you tell me if we get it back? I'll just keep preaching until then. I'll look back to you for a thumbs up. Great. Well, praise the Lord. I want you to hear both of those testimonies. Um, you know, the, the reality is for us is we, we have everything we need. I'm here to tell you that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. I, I want to birth an, a new excitement in your spirit for the future. What, what the devil works on to do in people's hearts is that he gets them to have a bleak outlook for the future. And so everything then just becomes about surviving and making it through. Yeah. Where, where if you read the text, the devil was whooped 2,000 years ago. I love Hebrews 2, 14, 15. It says, it says he uh, took on flesh and blood that he could... That he could Passing through death, he would destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. You know, the devil was defeated 2,000 years ago. One of the things in healing school we get people repeating or, or constantly saying is, say this with me, the devil's a loser. I couldn't stand on my feet. Go ahead and, go ahead and, let me get it back. I heard, I heard some audio there. The devil's a loser. When, 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 when the devil did what he did 2,000 years ago, he lost finally. So there's no way that a, that a church... That a church full of the power of the Holy Ghost, full of the Word of God, can come up short. And I see this place walking in victory. I see, I see the Lord raising people up in business here. I see the Lord raising people up in ministry. I see this even being a launching pad where there'll be, 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 be people coming out of this church that the, Lord may be, that the Lord sends you out and that you base here, but the Lord sends you out. That's all the Lord sends you out to minister. I, I believe there's an anointing here that God's going to release in this place. That'll, that'll be a place where there'll be a fruit. The fruit of the ministry will actually be evangelists, traveling evangelists and preachers that God will raise up from here and send out. Maybe even some of the young people who are getting dismissed to go back into uh, kids' church now. That as the years go, there'll be people that God marks. You know, you can't stay under the anointing and you can't bring your kids under the anointing. Even from young, you can't bring your kids under the anointing and then not have it mark them and then want to do something for the gospel. That's how it works. You know, when we, when we got... When, when we got... When my wife got pregnant with Luke, we were we were um, we went to with Pastor Rodney to Canada, and it was our first time in Canada. It's actually been our only time in Canada, but we went with Pastor Rodney to Canada, and we were in this small church uh, with Pastor Rodney. He did the six city tour, and one of them there was like a hundred and twenty people in this little town up in I, I don't know if that one was Mysticeny or was up in Iqaluit. It was up north, north, north. It was where they filmed where Leonardo DiCaprio filmed that movie. Was it Revenant? Like that far north. Up there, like up there. Room. And um, and uh, place was packed, 120 people, just like an upper room. And while he was ministering and the power of God started falling, Luke leapt, like, you know, baby's kick. But the strongest kick, we're probably seven, he was probably seven months pregnant, six months pregnant, 25 weeks. Leapt in her womb. 
And immediately made, and, and that, t- even through the end of the pregnancy, was the biggest leap. The kids respond to the anointing. Kids respond to the anointing. I was preaching this morning and giving an altar call, and I look over, and, and I raise your hands, and there's my boy, both, both hands lifted up. And then my wife looks at him and says, do you need to go up? And he, he said, no. And then he looked at her and says, stand up. My son, my two-year-old, stand up and go get Jesus in your heart. That's what my son said to my wife today. Stand up and go get Jesus in your heart. <laughs> I'm telling you, the word of God does something to people. Actually, it was probably, what, a couple months ago that, that uh, well, yeah, it was a couple months ago, and we were talking to him, and my wife started sharing the gospel and was going to give him an opportunity to pray. And while, while she, she, well, she shares the gospel and then got him to pray while he was praying the, the prayer to receive Jesus. You know, he's two and, two and some change. You can receive Jesus at two. I, what's that? He's almost three. But um, he, he prays, and like the way he was praying, you could tell he was a little shy. He was making his way through it. But at the end, it's like he got so excited. And he looked, at my, he looked at my wife and said, Jesus is in my heart. He like, like he lit up. Jesus is in my heart. Look, look, mommy, look. Jesus is in my heart. And then for days, people would come over. Jesus is in my heart. Look, Jesus is in my heart. Like you could tell he actually, like it really impacted him. The gospel carries power. And so for all of you who have come and have plugged in and you bring your kids under the anointing, you don't know the seeds that you're sowing. What the anointing does is it puts a distaste for the things of the world and things of sin. And so even where there's, there's been kids who've gone out and gone to experiment in the world, it's like it puts something like, like when, I know this is a terrible analogy, but like if someone uses hard drugs for the first time and then they just try to, this is a really terrible analogy. If someone goes to try to use hard drugs. For, let me use a better analogy. If you wake up in the morning, way better. I'm like homeschooled. I shouldn't be using drug analogies anyway. I only learned what weed smelled like when I was like 25 years old. So I don't have room to talk here. If you wake up in the morning and you go get a Krispy Kreme donut and you put bacon on it and you eat Krispy Kreme donut with bacon on it, which some of you looked at me and said, and the other few other people were like, that's a great idea. You guys get Krispy Kreme here. You get a donut and then you put bacon on it. You're hitting the high notes. You're hitting the sweet, and you're hitting the salty and the fat, right? If you, for lunch, try to have broccoli, your tongue's not going to have any of it. Don't even talk to me about broccoli or oats at lunchtime. When you've got, you've, it's like you've hit high notes. You can't, you know, at lunch, you're going to want a milkshake, a Snickers bar, and a burger and fries. Why? Because you, you, it's too late. You've, you've, you've stretched my taste buds too early in the morning, right? There's no going back. It's the same with the anointing. Kids get under the anointing. People get under the anointing. And it puts this thing on the inside of them that when they go taste the things of the world that everyone's after, they say, this is, this is, for a lot of them, it'll just keep them from that altogether. There'll be such a love for God that'll keep them out of trouble. There'll be such a love for God. I just want to please God. And that's what's happening when you bring your kids under the anointing. You, you, there's, there's a love for God that's built into their spirit. So even when, when other friends are saying, hey, let's go do this. No, no, there's something. On the, I just can't go do it. That's what the power of God does. And that's where people are getting because they're seeing their children being stolen. They're seeing their kids go off to school, get this liberal, uh, this liberal agenda pumped into them, p- being you know, transgender at seven years old, people going off in this direction. And especially in an area like North Dakota where people aren't having any of it. You're like, kick, a teacher starts to talk about that. You'll kick them out of the state. Like people up here are not having it. But then they hear it. And what happens on the inside is people say, uh-uh, we're going hard in the other direction. And you know where they end up? They end up at the foot of the cross. They end up at the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a place. You'll see this place in two years, three years from now. 
this place. Man, I don't know, from last time to now, something feels different here. And I want to say this to you because I know when you're here, it's like you don't see, when, you, when the baby's yours, you maybe don't see it grow. And then people come and they're like, it's grown so much. But we feel the difference from last time till now. This, the, it's, like, it's like the baby is, and it's not a baby, it's nine years old, but it's full of health, it's full of life, and we see it healthy and strong and growing. And it's like, it's like, it's like the crop that's just starting to come up now and the roots have been going down, and the roots have been going down, and then, you, and then there's a point that you see this massive growth come. And that's how we feel in our spirit, that, that as people, hallelujah, that as people come alive to the word of God and realize that the time is short, and we don't know when Jesus is coming back, and if there ever was going to be a church that was going to win Dickinson, it's this church that's going to win Dickinson. And people take responsibility for themselves. I'm telling you, you're going to have to figure out where to put the chairs. You're going to figure out what other wall you're going to need to push out. Because that's what God has gifted to this city. God is positioning churches all across this land and all across this world. And some of them maybe will, will start off and will be a thousand people within a few months. And some of them have been building and have kept their heart right and run off the wrong people and brought in the right people and kept the main thing the main thing. But I'm telling you, this is a time of exponential growth. So you, you, you need to get prepared, not of how can we get to 100 and stay at 100. But we're blowing 100 out the water. We're headed to 250. We're headed to every Sunday packed. Hallelujah. We're headed to overflow. We're headed to owe no man anything but to love him. We're headed to we're, 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 we're having Sundays giving away cars. And I know there's things that you've done, but we don't have any more bills. We have all this money coming in. You know, you have to, I'm going to talk about money this week. And if that offends you, stick around for a little while. Because I want to tell you, the, the Lord wants to, wants to lighten your load. So many people have had a heart for the things of God. And they can't move forward in that area because there's been such a financial burden. And there's a provision in the word where you don't have to give thought or, or be stressed about money ever again. And so if you open your heart even to say, you know, this preacher is trying to take money from me. I'm not here for your money. The Lord pays my bills. We, we, we're grateful when people sow. We're thankful when people sow. But, but I didn't come here so that I can, go, I can pay for a vacation or pay for something else. This isn't what this is for. I come here because God called me to the ministry. And as he's the one who called me to the ministry, he'll take care of me. But the Lord, I believe, wants to lift people up. And there's people even sitting here that you're saying, man, we're barely just making it now. But you'll look back in a couple of years from now, the Lord from, from here is going to start something in your spirit that you'll look back and say things turned around totally. And then there's other people that you're not just making it. You're doing well. But I believe there's industry leaders in this place. There's people who are going to run the next major trucking companies that are based out of this church. Now, whatever the industry, that there'll be people here that'll take over, that your products will be the ones in stores, not someone else's product. That you'll have the brand name, your name on the side of the tractors and the, and the equipment and all those things. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a mighty amen if you agree the church of Jesus Christ is growing and expanding. We're good on the video? Let's play the video. Let's try it again. And co coincidentally, um, he started, Pastor Ryan started talking about how he had prayed for knees in healing school the day before and how he had taught them that healing is for here and now. So I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to put out my faith and I'm going to get my knee healed right here and right now. And then the anointing started flowing. He started walking around the classroom, calling out different things that needed to be healed. And in my like drunken haze, I noticed that he keeps walking back and forth. And I'm like, I know I'm in the front row and I know I'm in an aisle seat, but like, why is he standing there? And then he says, 
this is an example of your head getting in the way because every time I walk past her, I feel like I have to pray for her knees, but I keep thinking that she's too young to have knee problems. So then he called me out, he prayed for my knees, the pain instantly left. <laughs> I've been on my feet so much this week, my knee doesn't hurt, I woke up without knee pain, and not only that, but a classmate reached out to me and she's like, hey, can you send me a video of your testimony so I can send it to someone else? So I did, she texted me back yesterday and was like, I showed this to my friend, and this video gave her the faith to go pray for her mom, and her knees were healed. So it's just a chain reaction of healing, and God has been so good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Miss Anne, come tell the people what the Lord did for you at healing school. You initially came for your husband, and then you said, well, Lord, while I'm at it, I'm just going to get everything that I can too. Amen. Tell the people what the Lord did for you. Um... <laughs> First of all, glory be to God, praise be to God, praise be to Jesus, because He has died 2,000 years ago, and with that came my salvation, and with that came my healing. I had to realize that with that came my healing. I was healed. I was healed. And so when Pastor Ryan, and thank you, Pastor Ryan, thank you, Pastor Rodney and Pastor Eric for telling us about healing school, because I did come for my husband who's, got, who's been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And he couldn't walk, and he was in a wheelchair on the first day. And on the second day, he was walking out of wheelchair into the parking lot, and he's able to eat now, and he's able to sleep now, and, and, and it's, that is a miracle. And he's going to be here one of these days to give his own testimony. But for now, I'd like to share with you my testimony because I really went there for him. And, I, and when I heard Pastor Ryan say, it's for you. And also, as the man said, you, ask, you can ask anything. So on the second day, when I had one-on-one -on -one with Ben, he said something about forgiveness. And he said, forgive this person. And before I could really say something, something came out of my spirit, and I was yelling. I said, what was that? It just kept on and on and on. And I realized I've been delivered from a lot of the spirit of fear, trauma, anxiety, depression. They all left. They're gone. They're gone because the enemy kills, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and life abundant. And if that sinks in for you, then you'll grab a hold of the healing that he has given you. And when Pastor Ryan was walking, just like the other lady said, that he would call, he would call like, oh, there's a brain fog. There's somebody here with brain fog. I said, I got that. I'm getting that. And if somebody has a problem with the neck, I have problems with the neck. I had injuries several years ago that left my spine compressed. I'm getting that. Somebody has stinging in the extremity. I'm getting that. So every time he opens his mouth and I recall that I have that and I'm still feeling the nerve pain and numbness and tingling and lack of sleep for over four years, I was grabbing hold of it. And so now I am completely healed because that's what God has given us. And I claim, I claim, because he has been wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities, and by his stripes, you are healed. And you are healed. And I'd like to invite you to come to Healing School if you are breathing. I think Healing School is for you, for everyone, because he has saved us. So come to Healing School. And those who have not practiced what Pastor Ryan has, has shared with us, so many scriptures, weapons upon weapons, and we will go from glory to glory, victory to victory. And thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you give the Lord a mighty amen tonight?
I want to tell you, you know, she invited you to healing school. I'm not necessarily inviting you to healing school, but you're here. I'm inviting you out this week to treat it like this is my week to come and get from the Lord. You know, it, your expectation matters. You coming this week and placing a demand on the anointing to say, I'm coming. Yes, to be faithful. Yes, to show God, honor God. You know, you're honoring God with your time. You could be sleeping. You could be watching whatever it is that comes on TV during the week. Uh, you could be sitting by the fireplace and reading. And then, you, and then you come. And I know many people up here work hard and long, long days. And then when you come and say, I'm going to take these nights and I'm going to come and plug in. So that is part of it. But when you come with an expectation, the anointing comes to set the captives free. And that's really what the devil hates. The devil needs to have an encounter. I mean, because then you get testimonies like I, I've had nine knee surgeries. I mean, I don't know how old she is. She's 20 something. Nine knee surgeries since I was 16 years old or 13 years old from 13 to 17. Nine knee surgeries, arthritis, knee swelled up. And then, and then she's in Bible school and one word of knowledge, one touch on the power of God and the Lord sets her free. And then for the rest of her life, when people try to tell her, well, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe in God. Well, he's real. He healed my knee. This is what he did. You know, for a 21-year-old or whatever, however old she is, to have arthritis, and then the Lord touches it in one moment. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. And I believe there's many people in here that there's things you've been praying about for a long time or maybe even stopped praying about because you haven't seen it, that this week is your time. Not because God said, hey, this week is your time, but because we're coming together and the anointing's coming with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But as Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why don't you turn there with me? Luke chapter 4. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The number one, the number one answer to the problems of the world today is the preaching of the gospel. This nation isn't going to be, a, isn't going to get better through politics. This, the nation's not going to get better through school reform. The nation's not going to get better through feeding programs. The nation's going to get better through having a heart change that only comes through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you see it all over the news now. I, I follow crypto stuff. There's another crypto company that went, went under and all this fraud surfacing. Five, probably five million users who, who all their money that they had on the exchange disappeared. Five million. Most of them, some of them probably don't even know by now. But any crypto that they had sitting on that thing disappeared overnight. And why is that? Because of the greed of the top three people at the top of the company. The, the problem isn't trying to change things at a political level. The problem is a heart issue. And the only thing that changes that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to realize as a believer, you have the, the thing that the world needs, whether they know it or not. You have the answer to the world's problems. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his own soul? You know, there's, there's shows like, and, and if, you're, if you watch YouTube and you follow, there's people like Mr. Beast and there's these influencers. And if you're on Instagram, if you're on whatever, and they just go away and they just get, they go out and they give stuff away. Hey, here's $500. You know, some of them will do a test like, hey, can I borrow a dollar? You know, I just like to get something to eat. I haven't eaten in a while. And then the person's like, sure, and gives them a dollar. And then they say, I was seeing who would help me first. Here's $500. And you think, man, that would be so cool. 
to walk around and just give away money. And it kind of would be cool. But I want to tell you, giving the gospel to people will have longer value than that $500. Giving the gospel to people. As a believer, you have really, through the eyes of the gospel, through the eyes of eternity, you have really the only thing that matters. For people who are in hell right now, or people who are in heaven, if either, either one of them, if you asked, what was the most important thing? People who lived through the, through the first century, uh, A.D., second century, third century. All right, 1,800 years have passed. What was, what matters? They would all look back and say, what matters is that I heard about Jesus Christ. Or if they were on the other end, why didn't anybody tell me? Why didn't anybody tell me? Just like the man who, who, who called out and he said, would you dip when to the man in Abraham's bosom? Would you please dip your finger in water and touch it to my tongue? And then he said, please send people to tell my brothers. Why? Because I, I don't want them to have to come and be where I am. I don't want them to be stuck here for eternity like I am. The preaching of the gospel, the anointing comes to place something on you to preach the gospel to the poor. And the, and the moment that you as a believer stand up and say, Lord, I'm taking responsibility for my generation. I'm taking responsibility for my city. Lord, would you do a work on the inside of me so that that anointing can come and rest on me? And Lord, I'll be faithful to tell people. Lord, it doesn't matter who it is. From the smallest to the greatest, Lord, I'll tell people. I'll tell people about Jesus. I'll tell people that he's coming back soon. Lord, would you, would you give me a, a hunger to see people reach? Would you give me a new passion and compassion to see the lost saved? You know, you approach someone with the gospel and not everyone receives it. But that's not up to you. Your job is to preach the gospel. Some will, some won't, and then you just move on. That's what you do. But God, God's looking for people that will make themselves available. And I'm telling you, when you make yourself available, it'll be the most life-changing thing that you've ever experienced. You'll go on this adventure and you'll say, well, how, did I, how did I not know that this was available to me? Because you'll know that when you stand before God, that you're doing what matters. God didn't call us so we could have youth car washes to build a new building. God called us so that we could have an army. Everyone say an army. That we could have an army that would reach our cities and our states for Jesus. And I believe we're, I'm talking to that army that's here on this Sunday night. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord an amen tonight? The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know that, that the anointing that rests upon you is there to heal? And that's why, that's why I have confidence. Yes, I've seen it before. You know, pe people come and they ask me questions like this as, as the healing school pastor. I get questions like this from time to time. Hey, at healing school, have you ever seen someone healed of this? And I don't like answering that question. Because it's them asking, hey, before I invite my loved one who has that, do you guys do that there? And I'm disinterested in answering that question. Because first of all, we, most likely we have. But secondly, even if we haven't, there's a first time for everything. You know, when I started doing healing school... <laughs> When I preached my, I talked about it this morning, but when I preached my first message uh, on healing from, from the River Church at Dickinson, and I'd never preached an, an, an entire message on healing and prayed for the sick. If you would have asked me, hey, have you seen, I would have said, I haven't seen anything. If we're going off what I've seen happen before, let's not even, let's not even lay hands on anybody. But you know that night, you know that night that I preached on that? That was when God started using me for the first time in the word of knowledge with the gifts of healings together. 
I sat, I stood here behind the pulpit, and I'd never had this happen, but I stood here behind the pulpit. I had people come and line up. We'll pray for the sick tomorrow night. We had people line up, and it was a semicircle. There's probably 12 or 13 people. And um, I closed my eyes, and, and Pastor Will was pr- playing the keys. And I closed my eyes, and I started talking to the Lord. And as I had my eyes closed, it's like I saw like the outline of a person, kind of like a mannequin, but it's just a shadow. And then all of a sudden, I saw like, like a, uh, I don't know if it was an illumination or like an outline. And I think, if I remember correctly, the first one was on a wrist. And so I was like, am I just, but I figured, let me just give it a shot. I said, who, who here is the one with the wrist, the pain in your wrist? And someone over here raised their hand. And so I went over and prayed for them and the Lord touched them. And then, okay, so we got 12 people or 13 people. And now, you know, the, the more things you start calling out, the less chances you have of being right. So I closed my eyes. Who here? And then I thought, eyes. Who here is the problem with the eyes? Someone raised their hand, problem with the eyes. And then who here is the problem with this? And I think, I don't remember, it was probably like seven in a row. And in my head, my head's like, all right, there's only six people left. You're really going to still keep going for this? But that was the first time, that was a word of knowledge. That was the first time the Lord ever used me, but as I stepped out in faith to do it. I'm telling you, we serve a God who heals. The Bible says healing is the children's bread, not the children's caviar. Healing shouldn't be a thing that we see every once in a while. Oh, we're seeing healing every once in a while. It should be that just as even the gospel is preached and preached with power, that people's bodies are healed. I was talking to my, my wife before this. Man, how awesome would it be if we came tomorrow night and then people, before service even starts, someone testified. Yeah, I came in to be healed, but the usher prayed for me and I got healed before the service began. That should be how it is, that everyone's equipped. Hallelujah. That everyone's equipped to heal the sick cast out devils, and, and, and shed the light of the, the glorious light of the gospel to a lost and dying world. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because He's anointed me to heal. God anointed His church. God's, God anointed, anoints His Word, and it carries healing power. I want to tell you the Word of God carries healing virtue. Proverbs 4, verse 20 23. It says, My son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. It says, for they will be life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. That word health in the Hebrew means medicine. The word of God carries healing virtue in it. And that's why the devil's stopped. The devil's worked overtime to get people to stop preaching on healing. Because if you don't preach on healing, God confirms his word. So if you preach Jesus as the person who's going to be judgmental, there'll be no confirmation. The person who's going to judge you, the person who's going to do this, the person who's, oh, you haven't been to church, you haven't been doing this, oh, you, you, you got, you know, and everything's just about a work system, then, then that's what you'll have. You'll, you, not, not that that's what Jesus will be, but you'll have no confirmation of the word. But when you stand up and you preach God as a provider, then that gets in people's spirit and God provides. And then you preach God as a healer, then that gets in people's spirits and God confirms the word. If, if, if people would just preach Jesus right, then, 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 then everyone's needs, needs would be net, met. If the, if the people who came to hear the word would open their heart and just listen to who Jesus is. You know, when we do healing school, the subject actually isn't healing. The subject is Jesus because Jesus is the healer. Amen. So when you signed up for Jehovah to be your God, how many Christians do we have in this place? You're, you're all in Christians. You're not like... I'm considering Buddhism, this, if this Christianity thing. How many are all in? You're a believer. You love Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to God. All right. You know, when you said, Lord, 
Jesus be my Lord and Savior. You got all of them. You got Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You got Jehovah Rapha, your healer. Hallelujah. Healing is the children's bread. I'm here to tell you tonight that any need you have in your body, while you're here this week, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to set you free. I don't come hoping Jesus is going to heal. I come knowing who my Savior is. Hey, the word of God heals. Is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? It doesn't matter if you've had it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. There's coming testimonies out of these meetings of people who've been bound by sickness and disease for 15, 20 years, but one moment in the power of the Holy Ghost and it was broken. If not now, then when? If not this week, then when? If not you, then who? I'm here to tell you the gospel, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm here to tell you that it wouldn't be better if we were back in Jesus' days and we could walk up and touch the hem of his robe. I'm here to tell you that by your faith, you can reach out and touch the hem of his robe right where you sit tonight. The power of God is present to heal. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord a mighty amen this evening? Turn with me to John chapter 1. Hallelujah. John chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. In the Word is life. Jesus is the Word, and in Him is life. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. You know, I think the King James leaves a little bit out there, but I like that. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. The devil's number one work is to stop the light of the gospel from shining in a region. But I'm telling you, when there's a church, a bold church, that'll stand up and say, I'll never shut up, I'll never be quiet. You know, I want to ask you this. I know know this is a soul-winning church. But one question that always sparks my fire to win souls is if, if I ask this question, could I give you a million dollars to never win a soul again? Ah, yeah, yeah. You ask me that. Not a chance. Hey, we'll give you a billion dollars to never preach. Not a chance. I'm not on this earth to see how much money that I can make. I'm on this earth to, to, I'm on this earth to please the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm on this earth because there's coming a day that I'm going to stand before him. And all I want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not interested in any amount of money. I'm interested in fulfilling the call that God has on my life. And as a believer, one thing you have to realize is God called me to win souls. I'm called to carry the light of the gospel to dark places and Dickinson I claim Dickinson for the glory of God 25,000 people whatever it is I see this place shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost the light of the gospel shining that Dickinson will be known as the most saved place in all of North Dakota hey hallelujah if you believe it one more time lift your voice and give God praise for it tonight he says In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The word of God carries life. And and that's the confidence that I have in the word of God. That as you sit here tonight, and as you take the time this week to come out, that the word of God is getting inside your spirit, and it's working on the inside of you. Well, why does he preach long? Well, you know, it's not about preaching long, but it's about letting it marinate. It's the same reason that when when you're going to smoke some brisket, you, you don't put it in 
buttermilk or whatever it is you use, if you're going to cook lamb or whatever, you don't put it in buttermilk for four minutes and take it out. You put it in and let it marinate overnight. It's the same reason you turn the smoker on low for 18 hours. Why? You got to let that smoke get, get in there real good. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're letting all that good smoke get into your bones tonight. We're letting that anointing get into your bones tonight. We're letting it get into your emotions tonight. All I know is if the word of God, if I can get it into your bones, hallelujah, I'll get your bones healed. If I can get the word of God into your eyes, I'll get your eyes healed. If I can get the word of God into your emotions, I'll get your emotions healed. I'll get you out of depression and back into joy or maybe into joy for the first time. Hallelujah. That's the word of God. The word's full of life. Hallelujah. The word's full of joy. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Hallelujah. It's the good news of the gospel. If I can just get it past your heart, if, if you'll open your heart with me tonight and this week and let the word get on the inside of you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that words are fire and a hammer and it breaks the rock into pieces. If I can get that word into your pancreas, it'll heal your pancreas. If I can get that word into your kidneys, it'll heal your kidneys. Hallelujah. That's the power of the word of God. In him was life and the life was the light of man. And then listen to this. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. What does that mean? The light is shining and the devil still doesn't know what to do about it. I'm telling you all the forces of hell, all the witchcraft of Africa couldn't stop the gospel from moving because the gospel's glorious. Hallelujah. No witch doctor can stop the work of Jesus Christ because the devil was defeated 2,000 years ago. People get up and say, well, the devil's been after me all week. So what? Let him come. That what are we going to do about that family? What are we going to be do about those people down in Dickinson? You shouldn't be afraid of the devil. He got whooped 2,000 years ago. Your older brother, Jesus, who lives on the inside of you, whooped him. Hallelujah. When you realize it and open you, you know, people treat the devil. Shh, don't talk about him. He might be listening. Listening. He's not omnipresent. I don't know. Did he come with any of you? He's not omnipresent. He, <laughs> and he got whooped 2,000 years ago. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 2.14, Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death that is the devil. In Colossians 2.15, it says he, he uh, in, in beating principalities, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know, every demon of hell knows that it was whooped 2,000 years ago. You know, when you go to cast out a demon, again, not something I was planning. Usually I wait till like Wednesday or Thursday till I get in the heavy stuff, get you to like me first, and then... You know, throw you into the deep end. When you, all you, all you have to know is that Jesus whipped them 2,000 years ago and, you'll, and they'll go. When, when you, if you go, try to cast out a devil, the devil looks to, listens to your voice. Do they know? Do they know we got whipped openly 2,000 years ago? Do they know we got so embarrassed and sent with our tail between our legs? Or do they not know yet? And I, and I believe we got a room full of people that know that Jesus won the victory for them and the devil doesn't get to have a grip on their life anymore in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And the Lord sent me to remind you of it. And, and maybe, if, maybe if there's things that you say, man, life's come at me these last few years and, and there's things that have a grip over my life. By the end of this week, any grip of Satan over your life, over your body, 
over your mind will be destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. There's even people here without having hands laid on you, just by the power of the hammer of the Word of God, that any addiction in your life, any stronghold will be broken off by the power of the Holy Ghost. That you'll leave this place saying, hey, you'll leave this place saying, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. If you agree and receive it, why don't you lift your hands tonight and begin to thank Him for His power. Thank Him that His Word is full of life. Hallelujah. John chapter 10, verse 10. It's like the lady said, like the lady said in the, in the testimony. John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You know what I find? What, the reason why most believers who believe in healing. How many believe? I mean, I don't think you would have come tonight. I, 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 how many believe that Jesus can heal the sick? How many that Je- believe that Jesus wants to heal the sick? Do you know why I, th- I think mo- mo- the majority of people, there's two reasons, but the majority of people don't receive even though b- they believe is number one, is they're not, they're n- they don't identify and they're not aggressive enough. They don't get aggressive enough in their faith to come at what's coming at them. The Bible says, resist the devil, submit yourself to God and he'll free from you. Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. You don't actually have to fight the devil, but there has to come something where you stand up and say, enough is enough. I'm not putting up with this anymore. And, and until your faith gets there, you, you, there, there has to come that fight on the inside of you. You know, there were, there's been a couple times. I remember there was a gentleman who came to, um, there was a guy who came to uh, our church. I had been ministering in healing school and I was at the stand. I was at church and it was a Wednesday night and I, I, I was tired. I had ministered all day. I'd been busy ministering from nine to probably five o'clock and then has been back at the church. I was tired. I was sitting in the front row and I get a text message from security and they said, hey, can you come? There's someone who's heading here and he'd like you to pray for him. And uh, so I got up out of my seat and I walked around to the, the lobby and they said his name's so-and-so. He, he's, he's part of the security team and he has kidney stones and he was headed to the ER. And as he got in his car, he, he, he said, I know if I can get to the church and have Pastor Ryan pray for me, I'll be healed. And man, I, I said, yeah, I'll go pray for him. So I head towards the back of the church and I'm walking through and I was feeling tired. And I just said to the Lord, Lord, would you help me to help him? Lord, I don't feel like I have anything to give, but would you help me to help him? And as I said that, I felt the power of God start come into this hand, this hand. And not this one, this one. I don't know why, this one. And I said, all right, it's on now. You know, that's a good sign. When you ask the Lord for help and you feel the power of God come into your hand. All right, this, that's a, yeah, well, that's a good start. And, uh, and so I walked around and I saw him, big guy. And I normally don't pray for people like this, but something came over me. But I walked up to him and man, I... I, asked, I said, what's going on? He said, I got kidney stones. and I was headed to the ER. I'm in excruciating pain. And something came over me and I got angry. And I believe it was the gift of faith, but I got angry. And I said, I'm not, I said this to myself, I'm not letting him leave here and go to the hospital. I'm not letting him go. And I grabbed him. And now pastor, one of the pastors was preaching. Pastor Jason was preaching. And uh, I didn't want to be loud. We were in the back, but Pastor Jason was preaching. And uh, so I normally don't do this. I don't think I, I haven't done it since. But I grabbed him, and I put my arms around him, big guy. 
And I just buried my head into his chest. And I began, and, and man, this, like, I'm not letting him go. And I began to command that thing to go. In the name of Jesus, this foul thing, foul kidney stones. That, that's the faith that has to come out on the outside of you. When the devil, when the devil stands up and tries to push you back, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your family, whether it's with your children, whether it's the health of your children, whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, that you don't just stand and say, Lord, why is this happening? It's not, Lord, why is this happening? It's happening because you serve God and the devil hates you. You know, there's only one thing you need to be on the same page and come into agreement with the devil with, is that you hate each other. That's the only thing you come into agreement about. And when he pushes, you say, if you push, I'm going to push back. Don't mess with me. I'm not the one. And I grabbed him and I said this foul thing. And I began to command and I put my hands on him and I commanded and I just so it muffled the sound. And I'm yelling, but you couldn't hear because my head's in his chest. And after about two minutes, and I just said, I'm, I'm keeping him here until he's healed. He's not going to the hospital. And that, that that's, doesn't always happen. But then after about four or five minutes of doing that, the joy hit him. Which, if you're in terrible, excruciating pain from kidney stones and you start laughing, that's, that's a good sign. I'd say we had some breakthrough. <laughs> and then the joy hit me, and I started to laugh. And man, and then I asked him, how are you? And he said, all the pain. The Lord totally healed him from kidney stones there in the back of the sanctuary. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. But there has to come something on the inside of you where when the devil pushes, that you push back. I'm not here to be pushed around. And that's why if you can sit here tonight and say, I serve the Lord with my whole heart. If you can answer that question, I love Jesus. I'm not, I'm not out living a life of blatant sin, doing drugs, you know, picking up loose women. I'm, I'm, I, I, children, close your ears. You know, I, I serve the Lord. My life is pleasing to God. If you can say that, I love Jesus. And as far as I know, I'm doing, I serve God with my whole heart and you can answer that, then anything that comes to push you back, you have to stand up in your faith and say, no, we're not doing this. You got the wrong one. I'm moving forward. I'm taking territory. I'm not here to stay stagnant. I'm not spending a year in the same place. I'm moving forward. It's unscriptural for you to stay in the same place for 12 months in a row. It's scriptural for you to move forward every single year. It's scriptural for you to be growing every single year. Well, I'm retired now. Well, ask the Lord to give you something that you can make millions in your retirement and just push it into the gospel. Why not? You know, there's someone who's hooked up with the church in Tampa and he doesn't live in Tampa, but he retired and he took, I think it was $700 and took and started a business. Something, I don't even know what it was, but started a business, bought some material, started producing something and Within a year, it had made a million dollars. Retired, 70. Retired. $700 investment. And the Lord blessed it. It was, it was an area of expertise that he had. And just a decision. I'm moving forward. And I'm telling you, now is the time where God is rapidly accelerating the church of Jesus Christ. Where we're not going to go a slow road into eternity and Jesus come back and we're going to be sitting with our cans of beans up in the hills somewhere just holding on tight. That's not the glorious church. He's coming back for a glorious bride. He's coming back for a people who are different. Go with me to Malachi chapter 4. One of my favorite verses. Malachi 4. Actually, Malachi 3. Hallelujah. If you don't know where Malachi is, it's right before Matthew. Last book of the Old, Old Testament. 
Hallelujah. Malachi 3. Verse 17. Actually, let's go verse um, 14. You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yes, they that work wickedness are set up. Yes, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I spoke up, make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. You know, the enemy tries to make it seem, what's the benefit in serving God? It's all sacrifice. If the enemy can get you to think that serving God is one big sacrifice, what did you really sacrifice? All I know is, you know, I grew up in the church. I was two years old when I gave my life to Jesus. My mom came into the room and said, your brother invited Jesus into his heart. And I was two and I said, what about mine heart? And I received Jesus into my heart. And then I answered my first altar call at four years old. Went up to the altar call after a long life of thugging, clubbing, and drugging. Went went down to the altar at four, raised my hands, and rededicated my life to the Lord. So I've grown up in the church. But the devil will try to make it seem that it's all sacrifice. You you go to church. You have to give 10% of your money. You're supposed to win souls. It's all sacrifice. I'm telling you, what have you given up? He's given you beauty for ashes. Many of us... Before the Lord found us, we were a mess. <laughs> I, I, I know people try to be modest. I'm a mess now. Well, that's why you're here at Revival this week. Amen? So you can leave not a mess anymore. The Lord can put you back together by his anointing. I'm telling you, it doesn't take the Lord long. It doesn't take the Lord long. If the Lord can create the earth in six days, what can he do with you in, in, six, in six days? Amen? But, oh, it's all sacrifice. Life is difficult. What's the benefit of serving the Lord? But I'm telling you, the time's come because we're in the last of the last days. And the Lord is building the mountain of his church. The Lord is going to set the church where the church will be looked at. These are the glorious people of God. Where you will return and discern the difference between them that serve God and them that serve him not. When, for those who've been faithful and served God wholeheartedly, I'm telling you, the best time that you've ever had is ahead. This isn't a time to back off and say, hope Jesus comes back soon. This place is turning to crap. That's not what we're here. We're in a time now to stand up in our faith and say, Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride, and I'm taking as much territory as possible. For every business person that's taking territory in your business. For every soul winner that's winning more souls than you've ever won before. That's you seeing powerful impact wherever you go. That's the plan for this end time church. That you will return and see the difference between those that don't serve God and those that do. That your friends will come to you and say, why is it that you're so full of joy? Oh, it's because I got Jesus living on the inside of me. How did you go from poverty level up to up to up to employer. How did that happen? That happened by the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. And, and so when you settle that in your spirit, that this life is a life of moving forward, this life is a life, this Christian life is a life of advancement and taking territories, not hanging on, hoping you stay saved until Jesus comes back. That's not the Christian life. You know, that's what the devil tries to do. He tries to get you in the defensive, that you're just like waiting for the next attack. I hope he doesn't hear me. I hope... Yeah. You know, there's people who think that way. That I, 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 you know, 
I don't want to do too much because I don't want to disturb the devil. He's left me alone the last 12 months. I'm trying to keep it that way. My lucky streak's been up. My lucky streak's been going pretty good. This is straight. You said, decide, believe me. You said that you go before me and make the crooked places straight. You said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, I see it in your word that I'm called to advance your kingdom in everything that I do. So Lord, I'm believing you that this year, this last two months will be the best two months that I've ever had to any year. That you crown the year with your goodness and your past drops fatness. That the grip that the devil's had over my life and over my family's life, I'm pressing into the word and I'm pressing in the anointing that it'll be permanently destroyed. And what the devil meant for harm will turn around. I even see your lost loved ones coming in in Jesus' name. Those ones that you said they're so far from the truth, I'm telling you the word of God is pure power. It'll break that rock into pieces in Jesus' name. The Lord's putting a hook in their mouth and calling them in. The one that you said, man, it could never happen, are going to be the first to come in. It'll make a ripple effect in your family. If you believe that and receive that for you, why don't you give the Lord a mighty amen tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? God, God puts an anointing on you. God puts an anointing on you to break what the devil's done. And that's what these meetings are about. These meetings are about coming to receive a touch from God. Coming to receive from the power of the Holy Ghost. That the word of God would come and penetrate your life. And whatever it is that the devil's been messing with you. With the area in your life that the devil's had a grip of you would be destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I believe as you come and let the word get down deep on the inside of you. There's even some in here that don't know what God's been depositing on the inside of your spirit. That maybe you counted yourself out. Well, you know, I felt like I had a call to ministry, but I guess that didn't happen. But that the Lord would accelerate you. And if you make yourself available, that the Lord will raise you up. And the Lord will mark you for his kingdom and mark you for his ministry and put you into the ministry. And that may not be every person in here. But for every person in here, God wants to use you in the area, uh, in the area of your influence. If that's in business, if that's in your family, God wants to use you. And if you'll open your heart and let God do a work on you, on the inside of you, starting tonight, the Lord will make those changes. And the Lord will do a work on the inside of you. That's what the gospel is there for. You know, God wants you to be on the offensive. When you read through Ephesians chapter 6, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6. Familiar passage for many people. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What is the evil day? You know, the evil day, the evil day is the day of attack. For Jesus, the evil day was his temptation in the wilderness. You know, and, and, and the truth is for all of us, we're in a fallen world. You know, I, I wish there was a way we could just say, hey, do this and the devil will never attack you ever again. But that's not the world we live in. So, so but either way, a day comes where the enemy comes. And the question is, will you be ready and will you stand? Or will you be unprepared? 
And so God doesn't want his people unprepared, knowing that an attack is coming. You know, I use this example, but if you knew that people were breaking into homes or if you got news that someone, there was going to be homes broken into in your neighborhood, wouldn't you want to know what day it was coming? I know we probably have some gun owners, some, you know, up here in the Dakotas, people take, take, take that, that, their rights seriously. <laughs> There's probably like 12 people in here right now with two guns on your hips as we speak and one in your boot. I understand where we are. You're my people. I understand. <laughs> I've never preached with a gun on me, but I've thought about it many times. You see the faces that I have to see, and sometimes you get concerned. Amen. <laughs> I'm not talking about here, obviously, other places. <laughs> but if you, if you knew that a, a, a break-ins were coming, you know, if you knew, hey, this is the night, the night of the 12th, you could just sit yourself down in your recliner, shotgun on your lap, put yourself right in front of the front door, and just wait, right? So knowing that that day is approaching. So as a believer, you have to know that a day comes. And many people, that day came, and there was an attack in your body, and you weren't prepared. But I'm telling you, it's not too late to stand up in your faith and say, bless God, I've come to receive and I've come to backdate this and I'm going to stand up in my faith now and I'm going to see the devil blown out of dodge. You know, it's like, it's like if you had someone come. It, in South Africa, where I'm from, the rules are a little bit different. So in South Africa, because, because of open borders, you know, they say there's 55 uh, million people or so in the country, if I'm getting the numbers correct. But there's really more like a double that, 110, 120 borders are open. So there's definitely not enough jobs. So, but they've had to change the rules because there was, wasn't enough places to live. So the rule now, and I could be wrong on the amount of days, but the rule now is, is you have people called squatters that come and they'll find a plot of land, open land, and then they'll just build and they'll build Houses, And so when you see the pictures of the, the video of like these kind of like tin houses, tin roofs, just like in a whole city like that, the rule is if that if someone can build on a land, and I think it's 30 days, it might be less, but if someone can build on a land and for 30 days go unchecked, then you can't get them off the land. That's the rule. So imagine, imagine you go on vacation and you go on a 30-day cruise and you're gone for a month and two days and you come back to your house and you get home, and in your backyard, two families are living, and they've constructed a little building in the backyard. If that was North Dakota, we know how that conversation would go. Like, that's how the conversation would go. You're leaving one of two ways, uh, in a bag or by your own accord. And we can, we'll figure, you know, you got about 10 minutes, right? That's how it would go. In Florida, the same thing. That's how it would go. In Africa, you can't do that. Legally, they can stay as long as they want. And so what happens in the spirit realm is it's the same thing. The enemy comes, and because people don't know how to take up the armor of God, and they don't know how to stand, when the attack comes, they just think, this is God allowing this. This is why I talked about this morning. You have to be able to, you have to, be able to identify what is the devil and what is God. Because there's so many people that put things, that say things that the devil did or, or that God did them. I've even heard it, you hear people who, you know, get up at, at a music awards and they get up and, you know, it's a hip hop artist. I just want to thank God without him. None of this would have been possible. He took my mother earlier this year, but he just wanted another rose in his garden. Like, like, oh, my mom died of cancer this earlier this year, but God just wanted another rose in his garden. First of all, when you die and go to heaven, you don't become vegetation. You're not going to be a rose or a cantaloupe or cilantro or like, 
you know, this is my grandma. She's an apple tree. That's not how it works in heaven. Number one. Secondly, the Bible says the thief comes not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. You know, if someone lives a long time, the fact that people even die is a work of the devil. It's only because of sin. If it wasn't for sin, no one would die. If it wasn't for sin, your eyesight wouldn't fade. If it wasn't for sin, there would be no sickness, there'd be no disease. So anything that's under that, the thief has come but to steal, kill and destroy. So you want an easy way? Two easy ways to tell if it's of God or of the devil. Two easy ways. Number one, is, it, is, it, is something being stolen from you? Is something being killed? Is something being destroyed? You know, almost every disease is the death of something. Pancreas isn't working right. My thyroid's not working right. Immune system's attacking itself. That's a, that's a it, sickness is incipient death. It's the beginning stages of death. If someone gets a cold, you know, a cold, I know you shouldn't talk about this when the weather's bad, but a cold will try to kill you. If you don't have an immune system, a cold will, will try to kill you. And a cold, sometimes, you know, you see very elderly people and then, and then they get a cold, their immune system's compromised and then they die. Well, they died. What did they die of? Oh, it's pneumonia. They, well, they got a cold. Well, their immune system was down. And so that's what happened. You see people, they go get cancer treatment, they get chemo, immune system's compromised, get a cold, get pneumonia, die. A, a, a cold's job, I know this is a very encouraging message, a cold's job is to kill you. That's what sickness does. It comes to kill you. That's a work of the devil. If it comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God doesn't let sickness happen to you for any reason. Sickness comes because we're not prepared as God's people. And one of the areas God wants us to be prepared is in the area of our health but really in all areas. And the same principles that apply to faith for, for salvation, apply to faith for healing, apply to, in the same way that the devil could come and tempt you to sin and you know how to resist him and you know how to say, devil, you got the wrong guy, I'm holy, hallelujah, I'm righteous. And the Bible says flee fornication. When temptation comes, you get up and literally sprint in the other direction. There's things you do to overcome sin. And it's no different. If you can do that for sin, I want to tell you, you can do that for sickness and disease. You can do it for lack. You can do it for attacks against your family, attacks against your kids. And so God wants his people not always on the offensive, but then when, excuse me, not always on the defensive, but that when the attack comes, you know how to handle it. That's what God called us to do. And so he says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then let's keep reading here. It says, and having done all, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And that's why the number one most important thing is that you get the truth of God's word on the inside of you. I want to tell you today, there's so many people who are saying that God allows sickness and disease, that God wants to teach you a lesson. I'm, God's not here to teach you a lesson through sickness and disease. He said, my sheep know my voice and a voice of a stranger they won't follow. So I was saying this, the two ways you know if it's of God or not. Number one, is it stealing? Is it killing? Is it destroying? You know, my dad died when I was three. He took his own life. That wasn't God's plan for my life. That was the devil's plan for my life. I, I, the devil did that. That was something that happened to my family. But you know what? God can turn it around for good. So although God didn't, that wasn't God's plan that my dad would take his own life. God will turn that around and use it for good. Well, what's the good? Well, you know, about 40% of my motivation is just to uh, curb stomp the devil for what he did to my family. Lord, I know you said vengeance is mine, says the Lord, but Lord, would you use me? I know you use people. If you'll use me to set the captives free, Lord, I'd be happy. Amen. 
But number one, is it stealing? Is it killing? Is it destroying? Does sickness and disease cost money? Is it expensive to be sick? Are there doctor's bills? Is there medication? Is there co-ops? Even, even with insurance, is there co-pays? Is there, is, does it cost money to be sick? It costs money. That's the devil stealing from you. Is it your body's being destroyed? Your body's being killed? Your body's not? Does it steal your joy when you're sick? Does it take your joy away? Does it steal your effectiveness when you're sick? What about depression? Does a, de, de, what does depression steal from you? I mean, depression will try to steal everything from you. Gives you no enjoyment in life. Rob your joy every moment of the day. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the work of the devil. And if it's life and life more abundantly. If it's what you would wish for your family. No parent wishes destruction for their children. We're not looking and saying, I sure do, Luke. I sure do hope Luke and Levi go through some hard times so they appreciate the good times. No. Lord, I, I thank you that you protect them. I thank you that you, Lord, I thank you that they'll never know sickness and disease. That's the heart of God. You know, the other night we woke up and we just came out of our healing school session just the other day. Um, what's today? Sunday. So Friday was our final day of this two-week healing school session. But I think it was like Wednesday night or Thursday, one of those days. We put the boys to bed at their normal time, 7 o'clock, 7.30. And then at midnight, we were about to go to bed and I heard this cough from the other room. And it wasn't just a cough. It was like a, Ah, like a cough, like there's something behind it. Parents who know what I'm talking about. It was like you could tell it was a different cough. And I, I got up and I went and grabbed him, took him out of his bed, took him downstairs. And, you know, you do stuff in the natural and then you do stuff in the spirit realm. So we went and got him the, we had this natural cough thing we gave him. And then still coughing, take him back upstairs, lay him down on his bed. And then I just decided, I'm not having this in my home. My wife came into the room. We had to be quiet because the other one, the little guy's, you know, a few feet over that way, but laid our hands on him and, and quietly began to curse that thing with all my might. This foul thing. Who do you think you are coming into my home? I'm not letting you stay here. You, you're not allowed in my boy. And you know what? We felt the anointing. I felt the release of the anointing and I got victory in my spirit, rejoiced, went to sleep, woke up, nothing. That thing was there for no more than 10 minutes and it's not allowed to hang out any longer. Destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the heart of God towards you. That's the heart of God towards you. And I'm here to remind you that, that God's power is enough for you today and this week to destroy every grip of Satan. It doesn't matter how long that thing's had a hold of your body. It doesn't matter how long that thing's had a hold of your mind. It doesn't matter. Time has nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter how long it's been. The power of the Holy Ghost tonight will destroy that off your body and off your mind. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord an amen tonight? Amen. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Getting the truth of God's word into your spirit is the number one ingredient. Because for all of us, there's always something that we face, right? There's always something that the enemy tries to throw at us. But there has to come a point where you say, I'm not standing here and taking I'm not going to just stand here and put up my shield and just try to deflect, try to deflect. One arrow gets through, another arrow gets through. I'm going to deflect and I'm going to start going on the offensive. And I believe that's what these meetings are for is to get people where, where you're finally pushing back at the devil. Where, where the devil's backed you up, backed you up, backed you up, backed you up. I'll take this medicine. I'll do this over here, backed you up. Where you finally say enough is enough. And not only lying here, but that you start backing the devil up. No, 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 no. That's my territory. Just like you have a squatter in the backyard. No, no, no. 
No, the, 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 the line is that way. Keep moving, keep moving. You're not staying on my territory anymore. You have to look sick, like sickness and disease as a squatter on your territory. You're not staying in my blood anymore. You're not staying in my body anymore. You're not staying in my skin anymore. God didn't, God didn't make me this way. And, and since Jesus lives on the inside of me, I'm not staying this way in Jesus' name. You know how the other way you know if it's from God or not from God, how you identify is what was it like in the garden and what will it be like in heaven? Very simple. Why? Because when Jesus said to pray, they said, Master, teach us to pray. What did he say? You could pray it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's next? Thy kingdom come. What's next? Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. God's will is that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to hear me on this. The number one, I believe one of the main reasons that people don't see, they don't see the power of God in their life is because they think that God's will is automatic. Well, if God was going to do it, he would do it already. If God was going to bless me, he would bless me. Why is it that God picks some people and doesn't pick other people? How come I'm waiting for my healing? We're going to preach, a, I'm going to preach a healing message tomorrow night and pray for all the sick. And so I'm going to ask you again, like I asked people today, can you, who knows someone, and it may be you, but who knows somebody else that's not in this room tonight that needs a healing in their body? You know at least one person who needs a healing in their body, who's in pain, has a disease, is on medication. How many of you know one? How many of you, can, what about the rest of you? Do you have no friends? <laughs> this is America. The average 65-year-old is on 12 medication. You know one person? All my friends are in here. Can, can you invite them tomorrow? Hey, there's an evangelist in town. He prays for the sick. They get healed. Would you come? What can they say? No, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to your church. But what if they say yes? Please, just come. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to become a member. Even if they're not a Christian. Hey, just come. He'll pray for you. And, and God will heal you. What do you have to lose? Just, what do you have to lose? How many of you know somebody that, that needs a touch from God in their body? Or they need to be healed? Okay, would you bring them? Would you bring the cancer people, please? Would you bring the cancers, please? How many of you know someone with cancer? Could you, could you invite them tomorrow to come? I want the cancers, okay? I want them. We see, we see cancer healed, I think, every session in Tampa. Cancer's a demon. You cast it out. We had a lady come. Actually, I was at church. This was a while back. I was at church the one day, and a lady walked up to me, and she said, hey, do you remember me? I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I see a lot of people. She said, I came with my friend to the summer session of healing school. This was a couple years back. She said, my friend was the one who was on the oxygen tank. She had nine tumors in her lungs, lung cancer. Do you remember? I said, I'm sorry, I see a lot of people. She said, and the way she was talking, she didn't seem happy. She seemed like she was downcast. I thought she was going to tell me, well, she died, just wanted to let you know. People do that. They come out of their way. Hey, you remember my friend who came to healing school? Oh, they died. Well, thank you. That's encouraging. Thank you for <laughs> letting me know. <laughs> but she comes up and she says, do you remember? I said, I'm sorry, I see a lot of people. She said, I wanted to tell you. She went back to Tennessee, and when she went in for a scan, there's no more tumors on the lung. There's, the lung cancer is gone. The nine tumors are gone. She's put on 26 pounds, and she's off the oxygen. I said, well, praise the Lord. 
Why hasn't she called to let us know? She's nervous to call and testify. You can't get on the telephone. Like you can't email. I had cancer. Here's the doctor's report. The cancer's gone. You can't like, I'm over here fasting and praying, believing for miracles. And there's people who've had lung cancer, nine tumors healed. And you can't like, it's not like you have to get, you know, send a homing pigeon or get on a horse. Like send an email. I had cancer. I don't anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Like, it's very easy to communicate these days. I'll never understand it. There's people who show up. Hey, you remember my friend who came? She had the rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's healed. She doesn't have arthritis anymore. She's in no more pain. Praise the Lord. She hasn't called. No, she's nervous to call. Just call. Who do you think I am? I don't answer the phones anyway. Would you just call? <laughs> but praise the Lord. Jesus is still the healer today. Amen. Hallelujah. How do you know it's from God or not from God? Well, you know by what was like in the garden and what it will be like in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But how many of you know, Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. Many there be that find it. So although it is God's will that every person, 7.8 billion people, they say, every person finds their way to Jesus today, as much as we'd like to believe that everyone could make it to heaven. We know that there are people perishing without God. I mean, there are people who hate the gospel. I remember, see, I remember, seeing, I remember seeing people, and I don't know what they were picketing for. It was something, they were protesting something. And someone had a sign that said, if Jesus comes back, we'll crucify him again. That's what the sign said. There's people who not only are just sinners. There's people who hate the gospel. They hate Jesus. They hate him. And so not everyone's making it to heaven. Even though the Bible says God is not willing. It's God's perfect will that all would go to heaven. But it, didn't ha it doesn't happen that way. So that shows you that God's will is not automatic. God said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And God's even good enough that he'll give you the right answer. There's a two question, one question, two answer question. I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, A or B, the answer is A. And then some people, I'm thinking about choosing B on this one. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. The reason why people don't receive, many people don't receive their healing, don't receive what God has, is they just think it's about waiting. I'm waiting for God to do this for me. I, if God wants it to be done, it'll be done. Well, I know it's in God's timing. I'm here to tell you it's not in God's timing. I'm here to tell you that God's timing for miracles is now. God's time for healing is now. God's time is, is when the preacher decides to preach on healing. You know, if I, 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 can't, I can't imagine what would have happened if maybe God would give me another chance. But I can't imagine what would happen if that day that the Lord challenged me four years ago here, in, about almost four years ago here in Dickinson, to, to preach on healing. That day that God had challenged me. When are you going to preach? And then I did it that night. If I didn't have. I, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if I did it. But there were people there that got healed that night that are healed because I decided to open my Bible and preach a message. And God said, I'll confirm the word with signs following. Healing's not in God's timing. He said, pray. Pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will, God wants his, his will enforced now on the earth. Not in stages, not in segments. You know, we don't have time to wait for that. You know, people are getting sicker and sicker and more and more dependent 
on medicine and medication. And I'm not saying medicine and medication is bad. I'm just saying that God has a more excellent way, that his word would sustain you. He said, my son, you want to know what medication is in the Bible? My son, attend to my word. It'll be life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. That while you sit under the word of God, this is your kidney medication. This is your blood pressure medication. This is your Holy Ghost chemotherapy. That's what God intended. That the world's way is to go out and be on 17 prescriptions, but God's way is that you'd open up to the word and the word would heal you from the inside out. The word would be your the word would be your mind medication. The word would be your antidepressants. The word would be arthritis medication for you. That the word of God would do it all. That's why God sent his word. It says in Psalm 107:20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. I'm here to tell you tonight, you don't have to wrestle with sickness and disease anymore. You get to come to the word of God and freely receive what he paid for 2,000 years ago without struggle, without worry, without strain, yielding to the Holy Ghost, that the power of the Holy Ghost will set the captives free, that the power of the word of God will undo what the devil's been working on for 20, 30, 40 years. I'm telling you, that's what the gospel's for, is to bring real answers to people's real problems. If you believe it and you're ready to, for God to use you and you're ready to receive everything God has, why don't you lift your hands one more time and begin to thank him that the word of God's for you. Go ahead and lift your voice in this place. Begin to praise him that the word of God's working for you tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your word, which is working for your people tonight. Thank you for your holy written word, which is working for your people tonight in Jesus' name. And give the Lord a mighty amen tonight. Hallelujah. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can look in, 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 in heaven and is there, is there disease in heaven? Is there diabetes in heaven? Is there rheumatoid arthritis in heaven? Then you can know that God wants his will instituted now. Actually, us praying for the sick is giving God the opportunity he's been looking for to get healing to his people. And laying hands on the sick is not the only way. There are some people that can't have hands in on. The Bible talks about many different ways to do it. You know, in a technology age, people get healed uh, through the airways. Preaching at the stand. There's been a number of times where I'll be preaching. I remember, I remember a couple times in particular. The one, time, the one time I was preaching, and I didn't preach on healing, but I was preaching, and I got ready to close the service, and I looked at the, the, the camera, and I said, there's someone watching. And as I began to say this, my mind started like, really? But I felt in my spirit, there's someone watching who your bones have shifted, and you're in a lot of pain, which that's kind of an unusual one. You know, if you say there's someone with heart problems, you're, you're, there's a good chance you'll get someone. Someone with arthritis is a good chance you get someone because you got thousands and thousands of people watching. And when you say your bones have shifted, my head's like, do bones even do that? Do bones shift? How does that work? And it was the only word of knowledge the Lord gave me. I said, there's someone watching and your bones have shifted and the Lord's healing you right now in Jesus' name. And then as I like closed out the service, my head was like, did, I, did you just make that up? Was you, is that you? Did you just make that up or was that really the Lord? And I was kind of wrestling with it on the way home. The next day, I got a text message from my mom, my own mom, my birth mom. And she texted me and said, I don't have two moms. I said birth mom. It made it seem like I've got like a bunch of moms. No, the first one, the birth mom, she texts me. The other ones, the nursing mom, she's, she doesn't text me anymore. No, I'm joking. I just got the one. Number one way to make a, make an, a message awkward, start talking about birth moms. And, and Anyway, let's move on wet nurses. All right. She texts me and says, 
She texts me and says, hey, I was watching the service last night and you called out at the end for someone whose bone shifted. She said, a few days ago, I picked up something heavy and I felt something move in my back. And she said, I've been in a lot of pain since then. And when I was watching you preach and when you called that, the power of God came into my back and I felt them move and the pain's gone. That really encouraged my faith that the Lord, you know, the Lord goes out of his way to show me that I'm like, hey, you're not missing it. You're, you're fine. Keep moving. There was another time I was preaching and I'd never called for this, but I said, someone watching and I felt big toe. And I said, the Lord's healing your big toe right now. You know, it's like there's things where you're like, Lord, why do you have me call out these such odd things? Can't I just stick with like, yeah, your big toe. You got a problem in your big toe and the Lord's healing. You know, with TV, you don't have to have because you're all right, good night, anybody. And then you don't prove it or disprove it. But the next day or a couple days later, I got a, a, a message on Instagram from someone in South Africa where I'm from. And I, didn't, I don't remember I could find the message in my phone. I don't, but the Lord touched me and that really, that really helped me. But, but God's looking for opportunities to do something in your life. Pe- people see, oh, I'm you know, begging God to do this. Prayer isn't there so you can beg God. Prayer is there to, to, to move mountains, but prayer is there uh, as a way for you, to, to, for, you, for you to be able to communicate with God and not beg God for him to do it, it's a way that God will begin to speak through you and pray through you to get things done on this earth. But I'm here to tell you this week that God's been looking for opportunities to get healing to you, to get joy to you. I'll say it again, to get joy to you. Hallelujah. North Dakota needs joy. North Dakota doesn't need depression. North Dakota needs joy. Hallelujah. Dickinson needs joy. Where people look, and see, look at you and say, what happened to you? Where did, all, where did all these smiles come from? You say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and that the Lord's been looking for opportunities to, do, to get that to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we see, what about, what about in the garden? You know, the garden was where God set up. You know, you almost, people look at the earth like, uh, all right, heaven's perfect, the earth is really messed up. Like this is God's rental property and he's really let things go. Like that's what it seems. If God's in control, then he's really made some mistakes. Why is heaven so good and things here are such a mess? You know, if, God, if God's all powerful, and that's why people ask questions like this. If God's all powerful and, and, and he knows everything and he's all loving, then why does he allow this, this, and this? Well, it's because he passed over rulership of this earth to us. The Bible says in Psalm 115, verse 16, the heavens, even the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has he given to the children of men. This isn't Jesus' planet, and he's just neglected it. This is our planet, and Jesus, when he died on the cross and rose again, gave us dominion back so that we could stand up and say, enough's enough. The devil's not going to have my city. The devil's not going to have Dickinson. The devil's not going to have my body. The devil's not going to have my family. I'm here to tell you, church, that your body, your stand to say, I will have healing. I will have health in my body. There's more at risk. There's more on stake than just your life. It's also that that is the first stand you take to say, I'm standing up and the devil's not going to have me. He's not going to have my family. He's not going to have my region. He's not going to have my city. Dickinson will serve the living God. Dickinson will know the power of Jesus Christ. No one in Dickinson's taking their life on my watch. I'm going to see this place shaken by the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's what God's going to do out of 
this church. That God's raising up people to be a firebrand and this place is a lighthouse to the city of Dickinson. If you believe that one more time, clap your hands and give the Lord an amen tonight. He says, verse 15, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all, everyone say all. all. Listen to that. Take up the shield of faith, whereby you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. God, God's equipping you in these meetings in this church so that when the attack comes, not if, and I'm not here, hey, looking for an attack around every corner. Hey, I'm telling you, the day comes, just like when Jesus was tempted. Lucifer came and tempted Jesus one, two, three times, and then Jesus knew how to respond. How did he respond? It is written, it is written, it is written. And then when that time comes, what did it say? It said Satan left for a, to come back at a, more, at a better season, at a, at, a, at a better time. There's a time where the enemy comes to attack. But life isn't, you can't see life as just attack after attack after attack. Because there's a time where the enemy attacks. But if you know what you're doing and you stand up with the word of God, and when the enemy comes against you, like, like you know, that's a small example about what it's like. Where the enemy comes against my family, my boy wakes up with a cough, and you just say, no, not in my house, not now, not never. And then when that, it is written, and then that thing's broken, and then, and then, the, and then the attack goes. And, and when you start doing that and standing up in your faith and saying enough's enough, you're not messing with my emotions anymore. You can't listen to the doctor. Oh, you're depressed. This is depression. Runs. You know, the doctors love to do that stuff. And that's why even they have questionnaires. Oh, does depression run in your family? You, the doctor will start prophesying to you. Oh, I see that on your mom's side. You know, there's a heart condition. Uh, you know, you better be careful. I'm, say, I'm, I'm not saying you have anything, but just be careful. You know, if you feel anything, come back and talk to me because it does run in the... And they'll start prophesying. You know, you're at an increased risk. I'm at an increased risk of knocking you out if you keep talking like that. I'm not at an increased risk of nothing. Jesus is my Savior. God is my Father. I don't, I don't take my health from my lineage. I take my health from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we, when we went to go... Uh, when we had our first child, we went to the birth center... And then they have you fill out one of those questionnaires. Does heart conditions run in your family? Does mental illness run in your family? First of all, what are you, why are you even asking me if mental illness runs in my family? You know, my, my dad took his life. So I guess that would, that would qualify for that, for mental illness. But what are you going to do with that information? You're going to come to me. You know, we see mental illness runs in the family. You know, we just want to say, if you ever feel down. You know, they came to her. There's postpartum. You know, just... If you're a child of God, there's no time that depression's okay for you. Hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But you have to stand up and say enough's enough. I'm not putting up with this. As King David did. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Emotions, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? I'm going to praise the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord and my righteousness and the God of my salvation. You have to know what's God's will for your life and what's the devil's will for your life. And when that becomes clear, then you know when it's an attack. And it's not just God's trying to teach me. God's trying to learn me. You know, he said, my sheep know my voice. He doesn't bring sickness and disease. He doesn't bring being downcast. He doesn't bring trouble in your family. He doesn't bring your, your teenager running off into the world. That's not how God works. He's a God of love. He loves you. If it was up to him, you'd walk in health. That's why people bring their children when they're born. 
and they dedicate them to the Lord. And then the preacher prays, Lord, I thank you that they won't know sickness and disease their whole life. No one's laying hands. You know, if you ever took your kid to be, or, uh, to, to be dedicated to the Lord, and then the preacher says, Lord, we thank you that sickness and disease will come, but it won't overwhelm them. No, not that it'll come, but it won't overwhelm them. That it won't touch them. That the fire of God will keep them. Not that we know that they're going to go off into the world and, and turn their back. But Lord, we just ask that you bring. My kids won't know a life of addiction. My kids will know the glory of God. My kids will know the joy of the Lord being their strength. My kids will know the purity of a life of serving Jesus Christ. Not a life of experimentation. A life of serving and pleasing the Lord. They'll run their race well and they'll hear well done, good and faithful servant. That's the life that God has for you. What do you see in the garden? What do you see in heaven? Then you can know this. Is it that simple? It's that simple. God's not a complicated God. You know, people have taken that one verse out of Jeremiah. Well, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts. You never really know. No, you can know. You can know his will. And I want to tell you, sickness and disease is never the will of God. You one more day on pain medications is not the will of God. And I'm here to agree in faith with you that this week, as you come to receive, this is going to be a week of healing for many people. That as you come and open your heart, that God by his mighty power, hallelujah, that God by his anointing is going to set you free and work in your body work, and bring you out even from things that have plagued you for a long time. I want you to lift your hands all over this place. Lord, I thank you for your mighty anointing even tonight, setting every captive free. Thank you, Lord, that your people who are called by your name will not be people who will know sickness and disease, but they'll be people who walk free. Lord, even as people age, and Lord, as they get into their 70s, 80s, 90s, and three digits, Lord, that it won't come with frailty. Lord, I thank you that you didn't invent frailty. Lord, that it will be like it was of Moses, that, that he was a 120 years old and his natural force had not abated and his eyesight had not dimmed. I thank you for the supernatural grace of God on people's bodies in this place. Thank you for supernatural grace of God on people's minds in this place. Lord, that you're raising your people up who know how to stand in the evil day and having done all they stand, that your people would be equipped to do exactly what you've called them to do in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask for every head to be bowed and eye to be closed. I want to give a call. This isn't a salvation call. I want to give a call for people who deal with depression. I told you my testimony at the beginning. And I believe there's people in here, handful of people, maybe more, but who've dealt with and struggled with depression and maybe even thoughts of suicide. And the devil's kept you bound in that area. And maybe it was over a past sin or a relationship you got in or something. But it's like you've gone into a deep place and you don't know how to get out. You used to think you could get out, but now you found when you tried, you couldn't. That's demonic. The Lord didn't create you to go through your whole, whole life sad and downcast. That's a demon. It's not a mental condition. It's not a, it's not a, a medical condition. It's a spiritual attack. And by the power of the Holy Ghost tonight, the Lord will set you free. This is an anointing that the Lord has placed on my life, is to set the captives free from depression and suicide. So I know this takes humility, but if you want God to help you tonight and set you free from that spirit, spirit of depression. And how do you know it's a spirit? Well, you, you, you don't know how, to, it's like you'll be fine and then a thought will come and it'll grip you and, and it's like you can't shake it. It's just like it grips you and you don't know how to get out and you're down. And then for some, it may be with thoughts of suicide. 
So if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you want the Lord to help you tonight, then I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand all over this place. Thank you. I see your hands going up. Thank you. Thank you for being courageous. Those that have raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to come and join me at the front so I can pray for you. And the Lord's going to help you tonight. I, there, there's more people than raise their hand. I could come and get you. I know who you are. I want to help you. If you would come, I, I, the Lord will help you tonight. God placed this anointing on my life to deal with this specifically. If you would open your heart and, and come, and you know it's you, but if you'll humble yourself and, and say, Lord, Jesus, would you help me tonight? There's one or two more. I know who you are, but the Lord wants to help you. Would you come? Would you come? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Regele baramba barese borogore babareshe rele borasande le baragare barasha rababare sebre de lebregele brara barasha de boroso regele breda borabo rababare celebre sebregele bara demrosonde le brada la bare sambo jamrondologore babare baba Lebra sende lebre shebre de lebra dalabra brege lebro shombambo roso garababoro rade lebara shambre de lebre de lebre de di lebramba rebele bagare lebroso dolobre de lebrebe ragare babara shara sabarababo bembrombo roso garababa lift your hands those of you at the front here father i thank you for your anointing i thank you lord whom the sun sets free is free indeed Lord, I thank you that it's unbiblical for any foul demon of hell to torment your people who are called by your name. This foul tormenting spirit of depression and suicide, I bind your work in the name of Jesus. Your time here is done in Jesus' name. Lift your hands. Let's thank the Lord together for his goodness. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give another call. If you're in this place and you're not right with God, and you know it, as I've been preaching, you know I, I, I'm not right with God. There's things in my heart that are wrong. There's sin in my life. There's compromise in my life. Then I, I want to pray with you. I want the privilege to pray with you. To, to dedicate your life to God. The first thing in having the Lord be able to use you, be able to touch you, is, is coming and surrendering your life to Him. And tonight's the night to do that. If you know my heart's cold towards God, I'm not right with the Lord. There's sin in my life. And you know that's you. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's strongholds, different things in your life. 
and you need to get it right, then I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. If that's you, all over this place with every head bowed, I'm going to ask you quickly, raise your hand and we'll pray together. Quickly, all over this place, if that's you, raise your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Who else? Thank you, I see your hand. Who else? Who else? You know you're not serving God the way you should. You know that there's things that if you had to see Jesus face to face tonight, you would have some explaining to do. Tonight's the night to get it right with God. The Bible says, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. The only way is to repent. God says, repent so that times of refreshing can come in the presence of the Lord. If you don't know, if you're not assured of your salvation, you don't know, man, if I, if I met Jesus face to face tonight, I don't know. If I, if I would, if I, I think I'd have some explaining to you. If that's you, then you're the one that I want to pray with. If that's you and you didn't raise your hand, raise your hand all over this place. Thank you, I've seen your hand. Who else? If you raised your hand, then I'm going to take you, ask you to take one more, or you should have. I'm going to ask you to take one more step of faith and quickly stand to your feet and come and join me at the altar. Stand to your feet and come and join me down here. We're going to pray together. One more time. Come join me at the altar here. And if you needed to, you can come join me as well. Hallelujah. Bible says, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my father. I know I gave this call earlier today, but there's people that maybe weren't here or didn't respond today, or maybe the, the word of God's illuminated another area in their heart that they knew they knew they need to make an adjustment. But if that's you, if you knew that if Jesus showed up, you'd, you'd uh, oh, can, hey, before you say anything, can I get some things right with you? Then that's what this prayer is for. Amen. Is there anybody else? All right. I'm going to ask you to lift your right hands to heaven. Remember, you've come to God and not to man. And I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Wash me in your blood. Set me free. I belong to you. I believe you died for me. And you rose again. My life is yours. I surrender myself. I love you, Jesus. I'm a Christian, I'm born again, and I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as a minister of the gospel, I want to tell you that every one of your sins are forgiven, and that when you make a mistake, remember to run to God and not from God, because he loves you. Amen. Can we all over this place thank the Lord that he hears our prayer and that he has mercy? Bless you. Welcome to head back to your seat. Hallelujah. Welcome to go back to your seat. Hallelujah. One more time, lift your hands, close your eyes. Let's thank the Lord together for his goodness. Hallelujah. I'm going to minister to a couple more people here before we move on to the next part. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, if you knew how eager Jesus was to get help to you today, <laughs> that's what these meetings are for, to get help to you today in the area that you need. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you, sister? Is that all right? If you'd step here for me. Lift your hands. Lord, I thank you for your anointing, your healing power right now in the name of Jesus. Every attack against this body and against this mind. Every attack against this body and this mind in the name of Jesus. Act in Jesus' name. Free in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing. There's the anointing, sister. Thank you, Lord, for your power to turn around what the devil's meant for harm. Turns around today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. That's the anointing going right through you. From the top of your head down to the bottom of your feet. That's the love of God. That's God's love for you. Hallelujah. 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 You know, where, where, where the enemy wants you to believe that it's over and that there's no point in even trying, God says he's got a new day for you. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands one more time all over this place. Put your eyes on Jesus. He's the healer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for your boy here in the front row. I'm going to pray for you, bro. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing, for your healing power. You make every crooked place straight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the function of every organ, every cell in Jesus' name. Life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this heart in the name of Jesus. Every organ, every cell. Healed now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's thank the Lord together. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Now turn with me to 3 John. some water there. Third John. It's only one chapter. Third John 1 verse 4. And I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, you do faithfully whatsoever you do to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of your charity or love. Let me read and amplify it. They have testified before the church of your love and friendship. You will do well to forward them on their journey, and you will please do so in a way worthy of God's service. For these traveling missionaries have gone out for the namesake, for his sake, and are accepting nothing from the Gentiles, the heathen, the non-Israelites. So we ourselves ought to also, for we ourselves ought to support such people to welcome and provide for them in order that we may be fellow workers in the truth, the whole gospel, and cooperate with its teachers. You know, every service that we have here, obviously this morning, um, there's an offering this morning for your tithes and offerings. So this, what we're talking now is not uh, your tithe. Your tithe goes here to the church. This would be an offering, and this goes, goes to my wife and I. And, uh, but the Bible says in 3 John, and, and every time we preach, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow, because that's biblical. The Bible says in the book of Philippians, that it says that it says in the book of Philippians that you partnered in giving and receiving and that there's an, a giving and receiving account. And it says there that isn't it right that if you've received spiritual things to give of natural things. So while there's no pressure on everybody, this is a free will offering. This isn't a tax. This isn't an admission. We don't charge. This isn't a Christian concert where we charge you $70 at the door. There's no pressure on anyone to give, but the Bible does have something to say about it. And the thing that I love about this passage is the Bible says those who travel, it says send them on their way well. You've blessed them. I'm giving you my, my, my 
uh, summarized translation. You've blessed them. Send them on a way worthy of God's service. Take care of them. They're not receiving everything from the heathen. You know, I don't, I don't come to Dickinson and then build the city of Dickinson. Hey, I preached in your city, and now you owe me this amount of money. That's not how it works, right? This isn't a, I, I call the city, I came and blessed the city, and now you owe me this much, right? But, but God says, this is what happens. Take care of them on their journey. And then it says, because in doing so, you become a fellow, fellow worker of the truth. You know, that's how God has it set up. Because if you start doing things, and we realize, according to the word of God, the Bible says that there's rewards in heaven, right? There's a soul winner's crown. How many soul winners do we have in here? You tell other people about Jesus. You know that there's a, if, if you'll persist in being a soul winner, you'll get to heaven and you'll have a special crown called a soul winner's crown. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what color the gems are in it. I don't know if it's gold, if it's, I don't know. But there's, for people who will win souls while you're here on this earth, you'll receive what's called a soul winner's crown. And the people who don't, you know, I heard a statistic that 8% or so of the American church tithes I'm willing to bet it's a lot less that win souls. So not that it's about rarity in the kingdom of God. You know, I got a crown that only 1% of Christians actually got. You know, we hope it turns around and everyone wins souls and that everyone has it. It's not like, hey, guys, I mean, we're going to throw them at Jesus' feet anyway. It's not going to be like you're going to be walking through heaven and be like, yo, check that crown. Should have won some souls. Shoo. <laughs> it's not like that. But there's, there's reward in heaven, right? So, so I, I guess my thinking is, just always been if I'm if heaven and then the new earth is a lot longer than our time here on this earth even if I'm very healthy and the Lord sustains my body what is it 120 years that I have and then eternity is forever right so if I if I could pick between having treasure here on this earth and treasure in heaven that's what the Bible says lay up for yourself treasure in heaven rather do it there if you're if you could choose between having ha, living in a tent for one night I'm not talking about in this weather because you probably wouldn't survive. Living in a tent in one, for one night and then living in a mansion for the rest of your life or, or, living, or living in a tent yeah, for a night or living in a, a, a mansion for one night and a tent for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Hopefully, you would pick, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not saying you have to be poor on this earth. I'm just saying, Eternity is a lot longer. If you're going to have treasure in one of the two places, you know, have it in heaven. I always think about the rapture. We talked about the rapture earlier. If you think about the rapture, you know, I know Jesus said no one can know the day or the hour, but I don't want to come to the rapture and I have like millions of dollars in the bank. I believe in prosperity. If you can't tell, you'll be able to tell by the end of the week. I believe in prosperity. But I don't want to get to the rapture and then I get raptured and I leave a bank account with $7.8 billion in it that some unborn again person who's left behind gets to take over. Amen. So Lord, I know you can't tell me the day or the hour, but just tap me on the shoulder one month and be like, put it all, you know, go ahead this month and just use it all on, on, on the gospel crusades. Like you don't have to tell me the day or the hour. I know you can't, but can you, and then also, could you also let me know? Cause I'd like to take out a huge loan and put that into a crusade so that when I disappear, I go with a ton of debt and get out of here, and the, the world system's going to fall apart anyway. We might as well just put it all. I don't believe in loans now, but I'll take out a loan, you know, as long as it's close enough to your return where it counts for the kingdom. Take out a billion-dollar loan, pay for a couple crusades, win a few million people to Jesus, get out of here. Financial system's going to collapse anyway. Anyway, this is the stuff that I think about. But, <laughs> but I don't know how biblical mo some of it is, but I'm, you know, I'm just thinking. I'm talking a lot here. 
But if there's, if there's rewards to be had in heaven, then the Bible says we become a fellow worker of the truth. So, you know, not everyone's called to the ministry. I'm called to the ministry. I'm called to full-time preach the gospel. Some of you may be. Some of you may not be. Some of you say, may be able to tell me for sure, I know I'm not called to be in the five-fold ministry. And so then it wouldn't really be fair if there's someone who, like us, we're traveling evangelists, we go out and we win souls, and we preach, and, and there's people like Reinhard Bonka who do it to the fullest of their ability. And then they, who's heard of Reinhard Bonka? He was a great uh, soul winner, you know, in Africa. Really was one of the main reasons. There's a couple people who could, like, lay claim to why Nigeria's as big as it is for Christianity, and he would be one of them, 72 million souls over his lifetime, most in Africa. And so how much treasure does he have in heaven? How much treasure does he have? Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that even if you're not called to go do that, that when you give towards it, you become a fellow worker in the truth. So just you could, you, you, well, I'm called to business. I run an oil company. I run a manufacturing company. Well, I wish I could be out there. Then it would be unfair. Lord, why did you call me to business? And I'm, I'm running a manufacturing company. I'm running a bakery. I'm doing this over here. I'm raising these children. Why did you call me to do this when I could have been out there getting more heaven? Reinhardt's going to have way much more he treasure in heaven than I have. And I'm here just manufacturing. It's not fair. Well, the Lord set something up called giving, which when you give and you, and you participate and you take your money and you take what you have, and it's at the level that you're at. It's not like, okay, this person has, you, you know, this person has $1,000 and they gave 1000 but this person has uh, 100000 and they gave 50000 so they, they get a bigger share. It's according to what you have, that you become a fellow worker in the truth. And so when you start sowing into what God wants to see happen, then that reward comes to you and the benefit of that comes to you. And, I, and even, please hear me, and even the blessing comes to you. You know, there's a difference between giving to charities and giving to the gospel. There's a difference. You know, I, I refuse, and maybe people don't like this, but I don't give to charities. I give to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go through the checkout lane. Would you like to round up and give the rest to the all children's hospital? I believe, I believe in a children's hospital, but I believe more in the gospel. I believe that ultimately the gospel should be bringing healing to those children. So no, I don't round up for the children's hospital. This is me. This is my conviction. I don't round up for the children's hospital. I don't donate to any funds. I give to the gospel of Jesus Christ because that that's what matters to God. The Bible actually says that God is giving more time so that more people can be saved. So, I, so when you choose to hook up to a church like this, that's a soul winning church, and then people that come through who are here to see the kingdom of God established, you become a fellow worker in the truth. That even though you're sitting, working hard at your job, and you're like, I'm not out there doing what they're doing, they're traveling full time, but that as you partner and as you give towards, that you become a fellow worker in the truth, and that harvest comes to your account. You're, that's what it means to be a fellow worker in the truth. You know, Reinhard Bonke's ministry, who's heard of Kenneth Copeland? I know some people don't like Kenneth Copeland, but I like Kenneth Copeland. And Kenneth Copeland was, was one of the major, the, the, the number one giver in Reinhard Bonke's ministry. And, and I would say, I, if I heard the numbers correctly, he, I think he paid for like more than half of everything that he did. Like he was his, not just a partner. He, he funded most of it. And so th this was a principle that Kenneth Copeland understood. I, I may be going into churches and stirring up the body of Christ. I'm not going to Africa and doing huge crusades, but I can participate in doing that. 
and, 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 be a, and be a fellow worker in the truth. When you decide, I'm going to hook up with what God wants. I'm going to hook up with the winning of souls. I'm going to hook up with the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to hook up. And this isn't really a, I guess it's, it's partially is a sales pitch for our ministry because you're selling to us. But if you say, I see that this is God's work. If you say this isn't God's work, then don't give. But if you say, I see that this is God's work, it's a way for you to participate and become a fellow worker in the truth. And that's how God has set up the kingdom, that even though you may not be able to go, you can go with your funds. That even though you may not be able to get up and see this happen and see the power of God move to America and you see the nation shaken through the power of God and you see, and you see, and you see that happen, you may not be able to be there. When, it, when, when you give, that credit comes to your account. That's how God set it up. And then not only that, I want to say this about giving. Because one of the, one of the I don't want to say burden, but one of the burdens that I feel for the body of Christ is, is to change the perspective on how he, people hear this message. Because it's kind of become like, I, I talked about it a little bit today, but like people see it as God's extraction process. Like, are, do you really love the Lord? Okay, then give. Well, that is part of it. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. So I don't believe you can love God and not give money. I don't see it. The Bible says, uh, the Bible says that giving proves the sincerity of your love. So you can love, you can give, but not love. You know, if you come, we come to Christmas time and then you get, what's that, what's that game, White Elephant or whatever, where you play the gift exchange and you draw this person's name and then you're like, I got to get Uncle Ned a gift. And you're like, Uncle Ned is literally the worst. He's like, a, I, I don't only, I not only don't want to spend money on him. I, I wish there was a way I could, I'm just going to get him a gag gift that explodes in his face. He's literally my least favorite human on planet earth. Like that's, you know, you that's how people see it. Like, I, oh, man, I got to do this thing again. And, and, and it's only us that, that give that way, but that's how people view it, where it's like, uh, uh, it's time for the offering to be passed around. But really what God, this is, this is, and we'll talk more about this this week, but giving and receiving is something that God has set up for the advancement of his people. When the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, but money has such a grip on society and on people. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It has such a grip on people that when you can say, Lord, I'm, I'm disinterested in organizing my life to make money just for the make, sake of making money. I'm organizing my life to, I'm not talking about where people who don't go to work and we just stay home and pray all day. I believe in work. I came out of a sales job, work 60, 70 hours a week. I believe in work. I did really well in business too. I, I believe in work. But I'm saying that people, the motivation of the heart is, Lord, I want to see your kingdom established. And if I'm going to work, I'm going to push it. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal in my work to see the kingdom of God established. If you, when you start to give radically, what happens is the motivation changes. Where you're not just going to work because this is going to help me be able to do this. And I'd like to get that boat and that new snowmobile. And I'm not talking against those things. The Lord will bless you. The Lord wants you to have all that. As long as they don't have you, the Lord wants you to have all that. All those things are good. But, but when the motivation is, Lord, I love your kingdom. And I just, all I want with my life, whatever part I have to play, I want to see your kingdom established on this earth. And that's what giving does. That's what that creates in your heart. And really, God bursts that in your heart through giving. Because when you reach and it's uncomfortable... Lord, this was going to be money that I was going to take and spend on this thing. But I, instead, I'm choosing to put it in the offering. I'm choosing to give. And you take something that's precious to you, 
that's where that love for God's kingdom begins to overflow. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can actually send your love ahead of you into the kingdom of God by giving. Lord, I'm going to take this, and although I was planning on, I was saving this up to do this. Lord, I'm, I'm sowing this into revival. I'm sowing this into the power of God. I'm sowing this to encourage the, the minister. I'm sowing this into the, into the work of the ministry because, Lord, I love you, and I want to see your kingdom established. And that's really what, what the offerings are about. And, in, and please hear me. We'll talk about this more this week. But in this end time where we know there's things in this world. The Bible says things that things will be shaken, that there will be things that will begin to shake. And even, you know, you hear talks of it now. Oh, in 30 years, there will, there will be no more uh, Medicare, Medicaid. There'll be no more retirement. The retirement's going to run out. There's, God has set this up, giving and receiving, to be the thing that sustains his people when difficulty comes. That you know, I'm not concerned what comes because it doesn't matter what comes. Jesus is my provider. God is my father. Jehovah Jireh is going to take care of me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. That even if famine came, that as Isaac sowed seed in in the same year and reaped a hundredfold in that land, that God is establishing me in his word that as we move forward and if the food shortages come, you know, I went, to the, I went to Target last night to get some groceries. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't know, but apparently there's an egg shortage. That's what they told me. I don't, that's in Bismarck. I don't know if it is here. But I went, and there's no eggs. None. No eggs. They've got the thing that no one buys called Just, J-U-S-T, and it says made with plants, and it looks like it's eggs. And no one in North Dakota buys that. I don't know why they even try. We're like, I, do, this is North Dakota. Made with plants, eggs, don't try me. I'm not, I don't want your meatless meatballs. I want a steak. I, I, want a, I want a steak, and then I want a side of ribs with my steak. I don't even want greens. I want a side of sausage and ribs with my steak. What's the main steak? What's the sides? Sausage and ribs and chicken. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no eggs. But if, if food shortages come, whatever comes, you know, the, the, the thing about the word of God is God wants to establish his people so that, it doesn't, so that it doesn't actually matter what comes, that you say, I'm not concerned. This is what the word says about me. I'm not going hungry. I'm not going to be sitting eating off cans of beans for seven years. And, and, you know, I'd rather die and just go be with Jesus than sit and eat cans of beans for seven years. I'm not, I'm not here to play that game. <laughs> that life ain't worth living if all I got is cans of beans and freeze-dried rice. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm out of here. Lord, we ain't, I'm not here for that life. But that no matter what comes, that you know this is what the Word says. And so one of the things that's on our heart, and, and we'll talk about it more this week, is to, is to see the church of Jesus Christ advance. Because I really believe that in the body of Christ, the, the heads of companies should be Christians who love God and are soul winners. I believe that people in the heads of their field, the ones who are getting the promotions, the ones who are becoming the bosses, I believe that in this last time that things are going to flip and that God are gonna position, is going to position his people to be the people of influence. And I believe that. And I believe you believe that as well. But that happens and it starts with the heart of generosity. Because if money has your heart, and, and really it's a matter of trust, that if you, if, 
Because people feel like when you, when you take up an offering, if I give that, I'm giving it and now it's gone. But it's really like planting a seed. It's like taking a seed and saying, I can eat this seed. But what I can do is if I plant it, it'll be the smallest now that it ever is. It isn't you put it in the offering and it's gone. It's you putting it in the ground. And there's some seeds that'll produce for you, that, that'll produce 30, 60, and 100 fold year after year and after year. The challenge is people sometimes don't know what seed is producing and what's not. And that's what the Bible says, cast your bread on the water because you don't know which one, which one will produce for you. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to sow into our ministry. This is coming to my wife and I. And if you want to sow, if you want to be a part of what God's doing through us, revival, there's no pressure to sow, but we want to invite you to sow. And I want to challenge you to sow because I know the type of, and this isn't boastfully, I know the type of ground that we are. And I, and I know how the Lord will bless you for sowing. And I want to tell you this. <laughs> I, I'm very grateful when people give to us. It's an, it's an encouraging thing when people give. We're always believing the Lord for breakthrough in an area. The Lord takes care of us. The Lord pays, pays for things for us. We came out of business. We took a major pay cut to go work at the church. It, it, it doesn't, that's not a motivating factor for us. Coming here, the money's not a motivating factor. But I want to tell you that the best place your seed can grow, that your best place is, your, your money can go, is in the kingdom of God. Amen. And so I want to challenge you to give big. There's people in here you've been giving sacrificially. And then what I want to challenge you with is that when you sow, mark it in your faith for something specific. Actually put it in the ground and release faith. Lord, I'm sowing for this. And believe, and, and the Lord's really been, I've been uh, listening to messages on the, the hundredfold return. And so I want to challenge you with that. If you're believing for something, believe, f calculate. Not that you need to say, okay, Lord, I've sown this. Now this is the amount that you owe me. But that you actually extend your faith for something. If it's a new vehicle, if there's something, an accommodation thing, but that you name your seed. And then for some, maybe you haven't given sacrificially or it's been a long time. And that's a muscle that you've been afraid to, 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 Put back in action. And, and I want to challenge you tonight to sow big, sow generously, sow generously, because I know the harvest that it's going to produce. The Lord's looking for people who will, who, who will position themselves to be the, 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 the just that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for. And so this is your opportunity to do that. And so we want to invite you tonight. I'm going to ask the ushers to pass out the envelopes. These are the Revival Ministries International. I want to say, there's if you open the flap, there's a couple ways to give on there. Obviously, you can give by check. You can give by credit card. You can give cash. On the top flap is partnership. If you partner, you're welcome to partner. That would be partnering with Revival Ministries International. That would go to the River at Tampa Bay Church, which you're, you're welcome to do. I, I think uh, partnership with the River Church and the River Church at Dickinson um, is it's great ground. That's partnership. That's monthly. That's the top flap. The bottom flap is, is one time. That's the blue part. And that's one time. And so either one. Sorry, we don't have like the text message giving options and the cash app and the PayPal because it has to run through RMI this way. So, um, but I want to ask you tonight, I want to ask you, all you do is, yes, ma'am, make your checks payable to RMI. Yes, ma'am. Okay, if you, if you want to do text to give and it's easier, you can give and then they'll... Yeah and write guests. All I want to ask is just ask the Lord tonight what he would have you to give. So we don't set an amount. We don't come up here and say, 
guys, the hotel costs this much, the Airbnb costs this much, and the rental car costs. It has nothing to do with that. The Lord takes care of us. Just give as the Lord leads. You know, you know the Lord gave me this picture a couple weeks ago on, on what, when you give what it should be like is your aim and your desire should be, Lord, let me be a glove on your hand. What do you want me to give? Because listen, number one, the Lord knows what you need. And remember this, if the Lord asks you to put a seed in the ground, it's because he has a harvest in mind for you. Remember that. That's why you should never give just as a, okay, let's bless these guys. They did a good job. I, I'm, I'm happy you feel that way if you're giving. But it shouldn't just be let's bless them. They do a good job. It should always be, I want to give. I want to encourage them. But I'm sowing this for a harvest. Because it's unbiblical to have seed go in the ground and it not produce. It's unbiblical. So it's not wrong. Oh, you know, I just give. It's good to give out of love for God. There's, there's many elements to it. But to sow and to not expect a return is unbiblical. So obviously the whole thing isn't, hey, give $10 so you can get a car tomorrow from the Lord. It's not, it's, it's love for God. It's love for his kingdom. But in the same way, anyone who's farmed or planted seeds or planted veggies before, you're not putting it in the ground just for whatever. You're expecting. If you put it in the ground and you're coming back and you're checking, where's my harvest? So it's the same way that you're putting this with an expectation. There should be an expectation. And so that's why when you say, Lord, what would you have me give? If he tells you give $1,000, give $2,000, give $5,000, there's been times the Lord's told me specific things. I'll give you one example. There was a time I was praying, and this was years ago, when I had met Krista, we were dating, and I was planning on proposing. But we weren't engaged yet. And uh, as I was praying, I felt the Lord say, call this person. And uh, my wife always corrects me because I get this wrong. But... Uh, I don't remember what the right version is. I'm just going to tell you the version I remember that I always tell. (laughs) But literally every time. You told that wrong. I just remember my version. All right. And uh, I felt I need to sow sow this amount to this person. They were getting married. And uh, so I I texted him and said, hey, what's the best way to send you money? And I PayPal them, and the Lord told me to give them three thousand dollars, specifically. And uh, that day, when I text him, I said, "Hey, I'm going to send you this money," and I felt it strong, and it was specific. And I said, "I'm sending you this money," and um, he messaged me back, and he says, "Bro, you have no idea. My wedding, the photographer's amount was due today, and it's three thousand dollars. I had none of it, and that's what I owed three thousand dollars. You know, that was an encouragement to him." Number one, because the exact amount came. But that was an encouragement to me because, man, I, it was the exact amount, you know. So that was an encouragement. And, um, and then it turned out my wife had even uh, been praying on her own. She wasn't my wife then, but, um, and had also called and, and given towards something. And it was, uh, so we both gave towards him. And then the time came when we got engaged and uh, I had money. For, for us to get married. I knew that we weren't going to get money from her side, so I, I had a budget set aside for the wedding. And I said, I said to her, hey, um, this is the budget for the wedding. This is what you can spend. And then I went to go, the next, it was soon after that, maybe it was, this is where, did you say, 
You said, hey, let's believe the Lord for it. That's what it was. She said, hey, let's believe the Lord for it. And then it hit me. I said, well, I've got wedding seed in the ground. I sowed towards that guy's wedding. I don't plan on getting married. You know, this is the one for me. I'm not like planning that this is going to be my first wife. And then, you know, in 15 years, I'll have my second wife. And, you know, if you, if you, please don't be offended if you've had seven or eight wives, you know. That's what healing school's for. I'd like to invite you down. We had someone, we had, we had someone, our record was eight marriages. They'd come to healing school. They'd been married eight times. And then a lady came down and I said, how many times have you been married? And she, she said, 14 or 15. And I said, uh, can, can you tell me about that? This is before she was saved. Apparently, she, uh, she had a bad relationship with her dad, left the house early, married someone. Marriage was fine for 11 years. And at 11 years, he cheated on her or something. And so she it ended, and she said something just snapped. She said, I would find guys. After that, she got that divorce. She said, I would find guys and marry them, and then after 90 days, I would divorce them and say, well, if you're stupid enough to marry me, you deserve it. She couldn't remember if it was 14 or 15 marriages. She, she only remembered like 11 of their names. So I think the Lord did that. Like Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. You know, like when people come, they're like, oh, man, I've been married four times. Like, you're not even in the same league as this lady 14 or 15 times. It's like an encouragement. Well, if you, think you're, if you think four or five marriages, you think you've made some mistakes. You haven't even met Michelle. Oh, my gosh. You're not even playing in the same league. Anyway, so, yeah, so she said, hey, we should believe the Lord for the, to pay for this. And I said, you know, that's right. I got wedding seed in the ground. So if I'm going to get a harvest on wedding seed, I'm going to have it now. And so I, I said, Lord, I have the money to pay for this wedding, but I'd like you to pay for it because I have wedding seed in the ground. And I believe the Lord. And you know, the Lord brought it in. I had someone come up to us and say, hey, how much is the venue and the, the stuff to do with the venue? And I said, it was like 11500 Oh, we want to pay for that. Wrote a check, 11500 Someone else paid for the food. Everything. I think, I don't remember how much the wedding was. It was 20-ish around the 1,000, and the Lord paid for the whole thing. I had, I had money for all of it. The Lord paid for all of it. Why? Because when you put seed in the ground, you should expect in a harvest. So there's something that the Lord's actually saying, sow tonight because I've got something. There's many of you that there's things the Lord would like to get, like to, get to you, but all he needs is your cooperation, a generous heart to say, Lord, I'm open to it. I'm willing to do it. I want this to go into the kingdom. And, and then the Lord's got something that will be able to be released. Amen. If you believe it, why don't you give the Lord an amen tonight? Amen. All right. So we've given you some time. Everyone get your seed ready. People still need another few minutes here. Why don't you lift your seed in the air and, uh, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Ghost. And thank you, Lord, for every person sowing tonight. We pray that you bless them. Lord, I thank you that there'll be a marked blessing on every person who calls this church home. Lord, that this will be the most, church, the most blessed church in town. Lord, that the people, people come into this church will, will become so overflowing with prosperity. Lord, that it will be a sign and a wonder to the whole area. Thank you, Lord, for blessing every person. And thank you for your abundance even this week. Lord, I'm asking you for testimonies of, of financial turnaround by, the, by Friday night in Jesus' name. And if you believe it and that's for you, why don't you give the Lord an amen tonight? Amen. And then let's go ahead and... Uh, yeah. Okay, buckets, you can bring the buckets up front. I was going to say pass the buckets, but bring the buckets up front. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tomorrow night, I'm going to... Um, Tomorrow night, I'm going to pray for the sick. Everyone that wants prayer. Believe in the Lord for great breakthroughs and miracles. You know, for the Lord, the, it's, it's kind of all the same. If, you're, if you need to be healed of diabetes or if you need to be healed of a headache, it still takes the power of God. And the only restricting thing is if you believe the Lord's power can do it or not. So if you just remember that if the Lord heals a headache, he can heal cancer. Because it's really no different. It needs God's power. And so it's it's the same with provision. Now, it's the same with provision. If the Lord's going to provide, you know, if you're going to sow a seed for something and believe the Lord to receive a harvest, if you need $1,000 to come in, well, you might as well just believe the Lord for 1500 Because if you're going to have a miracle, have some leftovers. That's actually more biblical. Like if we're going to multiply the fish and the loaves, like there should always be leftovers. Remember that. If you're going to believe the Lord for something, if you need $2,884, don't ever ask for $2,884. Always go above $3,500, 4000 Why? So that you can tithe, so that you can give, and so that you can buy your wife some nice shoes. Amen. Amen. Keep your wife happy. Amen. Or maybe buy yourself some new shoes if you're a single person. Shoes matter in this climate. You need some good treads. I need some treads like that, brother. (laughs) My wife saved me. We were packing, and I had some sneakers pulled out. And she's like, don't you have something with some treads? And I had some, like, Solomon shoes, hiking shoes in the back of my closet I hadn't looked at in years. And so those are the ones I brought instead. Amen. Who's received something from the Lord tonight? Amen. Lift your hands all over this place one more time. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your power. I thank you, Lord, as as we go, I thank you for the increase in the power of the Holy Ghost and the flow of the anointing. Lord, that every person leaves out of this place with a testimony. Lord, we believe in you for big things. I thank you for blood diseases being healed, bone diseases being healed. Lord, people who have had to have restrictive diets because of eating problems and eating conditions being healed in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for a mighty outpouring of your power and starting tomorrow night with your healing power. We thank you for it. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Jesus, for dead-raising power in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for dead-raising power in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that there's nothing too hard for you. Lord, even for working miracles in our midst, notable miracles in Jesus' name. Thank you for biblical fulfillment of your word. Book of Acts in this place this week. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you caused that which was dead to live again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet with me all over this place. Let's lift our hands. And why don't you, out of your mouth, you know, it's a principle that what you give God praise for, once you give God praise, it opens you up to receive what's next. When the, when the leper, the ten lepers came and they, thanked, and, and they were healed, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. There was one that came back who came back to give praise. And in praising, he fell fell down, worshiped Jesus and was giving thanks. And that was the one who who Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. So while the the other nine received their healing and they didn't have leprosy anymore, 
They were still missing fingertips, ears, nose, whatever that thing had eaten away. But, but the power of God for that one who came back to give thanks. So as we close out tonight, why don't you lift your hands and out of your own mouth, thank Jesus for what he's done for you tonight. Thank him for his word, which is a light to your, sp- light to your, light to your spirit. Thank him for his word, which is life to your bones. Thank him that your body's being healed as you sit under the word. Thank him that this week's going to be the best week that you'll ever have, that you've had so far. Thank him that this is going to be a turnaround for your life, that things are going to drastically turn. I want every, every, every mouth open in giving God thanks tonight. Every mouth. Even if you don't know what to say, just say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're wonderful. Thank you that I'm not excluded from your plans and purposes. Lord, we bless you. Lord, I want to thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for your mighty power. I want to thank you, Lord, as we go from here to this place tonight. You, you, you bring everyone back safe and sound. But I thank you, Lord, you bring them back stronger than they were today. I thank you for people growing in grace. Lord, I thank you for the word of God growing and prevailing on the inside of them. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, we love you very much. Thank you for joining us tonight. And tomorrow night at 7 p.m. and all this week, 7 p.m., please bring sick people here tomorrow. Please bring cancer people here tomorrow. Please bring people that need a touch from God tomorrow. Okay? 7 p.m. We love you. God bless you. you have anything you want to say? All right. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m.